and welcome to Straight From The Off, a podcast based around the amateur football scene of our fantastic city of Liverpool. I'm Michael Watson, and each episode we'll bring to you a local footballer, past or present, who'll share their stories of glory and despair with us on Straight From The Off. So for the podcast that we record in 2023, we're proud to say we have teamed up with Four Corner Combat Gym. My mate John Gillies is looking after us, giving us a space to record. They're expanding the gym as well. It's going to be unbelievable with the strength and conditioning cardio area as well as um, having Team Carbon on board now. So you'll see them in multiple uh, fighting organisations, most notably the UFC. So thanks to John for helping us out there and being the sponsor of the 2023 episodes. It's much appreciated. So this episode's brought to us by 14 Bar and Grill. It's a rooftop restaurant located in Bootle, serving all homemade delicious food, caters for everyone. You can book via the website on www.14barandgrill.co.uk. Thanks to Jed for the sponsorship. He's sponsored a couple of episodes and helps give back to Grassroots Footy. It's much appreciated. So today's guest, we've got somebody who's created a phenomenon in the city and... Uh, it's it's a proud moment really where, where you can bring everybody together and let everybody play footy no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is and that's something to be extremely proud of. He's also involved with the Chunks who are absolutely flying at the moment, um, another institution in the Liverpool game. So welcome to the show, Imad Ali. Thanks for having me. How are you mate, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm quite excited to do this to be honest with you, been looking forward to it. Boss mate, so how are you always started straight from the off? How old were you when you first started playing? Who did you play for and what team did you support? Um, okay, so the first the first my first memory of playing football would have been believe it or not for my school team. Um I was quite a late like I was quite late coming into the game. Um and so it was my primary school would have been in year five. Yeah. That was the first First, like organised football that See, I see that that tells me you you're quite uh, quite a lot younger than me because I would have been forty eight juniors when, <laughs> when it was my age. So, so year five, so yeah, what how old's that? About then? ten years old. Yeah, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is mad because now I hear, I hear lads that are playing at five and six years old, and I'm like, oh, I must have missed out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my first, my first, um, my first memory of of putting a kit on kind of thing and and getting involved in football was. Was um, in year five, I'd say. Um, I'm a diehard red yep. Liverpool supporter, season ticket. Go, yep. go, go! All the games. Um, funny, funny story. I will become a Liverpool supporter. It's it's quite by accident. Primary school again. Year year two. This was, and I remember sitting on me on a desk, and there was like six of us on the desk, boys, girls, and a lad called Adam Taylor was just asking everyone on the desk, who do you support Everton or Liverpool? And I didn't have a clue what Everton or Liverpool was. Yeah, but I just knew that I lived in Liverpool. So I said Liverpool, and it's stuck with me ever since. Was thankfully I went home, and the old family supported Liverpool. So <laughs> chose right, lad. So, so give us a, a background, then, mate, of the, uh, the the heritage of the family and that. What, what's uh, what's the what's the backstory? So, um, my family are originally from Yemen, which is a country in Asia, just um, south of Saudi Arabia. If I'm I'm not I'm not like a geographical genius or anything, but. From a from a country called Yemen, um, my dad came to the UK in 1983 at the age of I'm saying 13, 14. Yeah, my mum was born in Yemen too, but came to Birmingham, but came to the UK quite early at the age of four. Um, they met around 1986, got married 87, had me 88, so it was quite a quick transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it was quite. I had quite a 
carefree childhood. They, 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 they pretty much let me do whatever I kind of wanted, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I think young parents and just being excited by having the first child, it was a bit... Me, what I remember of my childhood was I was everybody's first, so I was my me, me mum and dad's first son, my grandparents' first grandchild, my auntie and uncle's first nephew. So there was a bit of like molly coddling, I'd yeah. say, for the first three, four years of my life. Boss, boss. I think I, I, I recall like I wasn't very tight. So my dad didn't really speak the language. He was new to the country and his English wasn't wasn't up to scratch, whereas my mum went through the all educational system here and yeah. she's like English is her first language. And I also remember like um, early days, my dad used to hold like four or five jobs. I think he was a milkman in the morning. He used to work in a news agent in the afternoon, delivering papers in the morning again. Like he had loads yeah. of jobs and I would never see my dad. It was a case of bumping into him in the night and I was half very scared of my dad in a sense of he was the person if I was in trouble, they were telling your dad, so it was one of those, like, my dad was very much the person who I considered the disciplinarian, and my ma was very much the person who I got away with murder with, if you know what I mean. Yeah, boss. So your dad was out grafting me, to, doing everything he could to... Uh, yeah, to provide. To provide me, boss, boss. So what what, uh, what school did you go to with that? Um, I went to Dovedale School, which yeah. is another um, unusual one. But the area that I was brought up in, Toxteth, not many people from my area go to Dovedale. And I think that falls down to my mum. My mum's been very, very... Um, my mum's very adamant from the beginning that she wanted the kids to go to this school and have, be on this uh, path of life. Kind yeah, of so she had a plan. Yeah, she had a plan, I think. I, I was I was deprived from playing out and stuff like that. So I was one of those kids who was looking out of his window, like looking at the kids playing and wanting to be in that group. But... It was always like, oh my God, I'm not allowed to play out kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if I ever got the chance to play out, it was like, you're not allowed on the road. Like you had to be on the curb, in your porch, things like that. But I think that also made me dead creative, if you know what I mean. Like, so I'd make up games in my house, literally like football games, any game you can imagine. We made it up in the house. Later on in life, obviously my brother and sister were born. And so I had a bit of a... a I had siblings in the house and people to play with kind yeah. of thing. I was an only child, and I get what you mean. At that stage, at a certain stage, you just, you know, just doing what you can to entertain yourself. I used to draw all the time or arse around. Like. Well, mine was, mine was, um, mine was just footy games, to be honest with you. I was obsessed with this game that I used to make up. So if I can paint the picture for you, mate, um, my granddad, so my dad came here in, in, in 83, but my, da- my granddad had been here previous, so... My granddad was working over here and then go back to Yemen, provide for the family, and then eventually he got to bring his family over here. Yeah. My granddad had a big, massive house. And it's a mad story, like, but my mum's family were in Birmingham. They eventually ended up coming down here with me mum, and we all lived in one big house. So the first floor was my dad's family, the second floor was my mum's family, and then the third floor was me, my dad and my mum. So... And, and and the families are quite big, so it was like a household of 14 people. Like the McAllisters at Kimbo, home alone. Honestly. And then, like I said to you, I was the youngest. I've got three uncles who were all, like, not your typical uncle age. Like, they're all three or four years older than me. Yeah, yeah. Which is still old enough for me to respect, but young enough for me to yeah. be able more, to... More like your mates, yeah. yeah. I could play FIFA 98 with them and I'd be made up, if you know what I mean. Yeah, if yeah. they'd let me have a little go of Pro Evo or something with them. My uncles were, my uncles were 
into footy, one more so than others, one more so than the others. Arafat, and he used to just he used to te- like tell me whatever whatever I wanted to know about footy, he'd let me know. And we used to have a kitchen, so the kitchen was a fairly big room. And my uncle told me, drilled it into me from young. And I think it was just so I didn't play with the Casey in the house. But he was like, if you play with the tennis ball, it improves your close ball control. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, if you give me a tennis ball now, I can do a thousand kickups with a tennis ball. I'm, I'm, I'm not the best footballer, but I can do a thousand kickups yeah. with a tennis ball because from young, I was just playing with the tennis ball in the house. What I used to do was, we used to have a news agent ourselves. We'd get the newspaper and I'd read the fixtures that were happening that weekend. So it would be like Liverpool versus. I'd be Ipswich versus Manchester United. I'd throw the tennis ball at the wall five times. The goal would be a table with legs, and I'd have to head the ball into the goal. Five out of five means man Liverpool have scored five, and then Ipswich if they score three, it's five three. And that's yeah. I just I goals go Keep myself entertained doing that. You should do that with a coupon. See what happens. See what comes in. See what comes in. Probably. Lad, I've never won a bet in my life. To be fair. So yeah, the childhood side of things. What I can remember of it was just. I was very energetic. Even today, everyone says, if you've got ADHD, you're just, I don't know, mate, but I, I, I never want to get diagnosed. I just love my life how it is kind yeah. of thing. Very bubbly, very, very peculiar though as well. Um, like, so social skills weren't, now looking at it from an, from, from, from the point of view as a 35-year-old man, social skills weren't the best in a sense of, I was odd to the other kids in school. I was Yemeni and everyone else was English. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not someone who like a, a lot of my life. And loads of people have been like talked about the race card and stuff like that. It's not something that's ever affected me. I've never ever felt racism directly at me. And even when I, I I've been I've had racist remarks thrown at me. It doesn't hurt me like how I see it hurt some of my mates that it's happened to before. Um, I'm quite ignorant to it in a sense of like it's words, if you know what I mean. But in school. I was different to the other kids, like, I had a different name, my name's Imad, everyone's name was John, Michael, Rachel, Sat, do you know what yeah. I mean? Different colour, like, uh, predominantly the school was full of, like, white people, and then there was me and three other lads who, we kind of stuck together, but it wasn't, I think it was, we all loved footy, so us four was like... Yeah, it wasn't planned. Yeah, it wasn't a planned thing, yeah. it, and it wasn't just us four together, there was, like, loads of lads, but we were just... We were the football heads, if you know what I mean. Um, and so, yeah, childhood was quite a happy one, to be honest with you. Quite a happy one. Probably not the same as everyone else's in terms of, like, climbing trees and, you know, riding bikes and stuff like that. Loads of things was just in the house and made up by myself. But I I wouldn't change it for the world, if I'm being honest. Brilliant, mate. So when did the, the, the first involvement with, let's say, half-organised footy, so school footy? Yeah, or so... so this is funny, this, so basically, I was, I was made aware that when, when I was, so my mum, sorry, I keep cutting off to different s- stories, but, so, as I touched earlier, my dad used to work quite a lot, and so my mum then, once my mum had all three kids, I think by the time, she was 21, she'd had three children, my dad was working full time, and my mum ended up going to, to do university, which meant that I was, taken to and picked up from school by my child man that a lady called Sylvia Inglis. Sylvia Inglis was like a hippie lady, loved Liverpool, followed them all through the seventies and eighties. And so she'd pick me up from school, take me to the take me to the shop and do the same thing. And this was around the Euro ninety six. Yeah. So Euro ninety six was like 
the first footy. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, like me for the 1990 World Cup, though. Yeah, so, but it was, I could like, this is crazy. Like, I loved the formatting of it. Like, I loved that. If these two teams come top of their group, they go through, yeah. then they play them, and then the winners, like, all yeah, that. the science is, behind I it. I loved yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, I loved, like, the idea that you, you were the, so, so, not so much 96, but, you know, in World Cup 98, I remember when France won World Cup 98, that so, 96, I was introduced, 98, I was a fully-fledged, invested member. I could, I can tell you now, the standings, I can tell you Group A to Group G, yeah, of the yeah. ho- who played who. When, so France win 3-0, and I think the next year, Steven Gerrard scored a worldie against Man United, in 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 the in the Carling Cup, yeah, yeah, whatever it was back then, and in my head, yeah, yeah, in my head, Gerard's just scored against the greatest goalkeeper in the world. So like, if you play, if you won the World Cup, you're the best player yeah, yeah, in that right. position, yeah. kind of thing. So just touching up on your question, um, I'm known to waffle, you know. That's what I'm sorry. Can I hold? Can I hold? Um, the easiest job in the world for me this yeah. one. Come on. Um, when 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 it came to um. You're touching up on your question on my mum went to university and she met a man there named Stan. During this, there's going to be a few names that I mention that are very important to me, i.e., Stan, Stan Affleck. So, Stan Affleck is someone who's still predominant in my life now. He's remained my mum and dad's friend since since when they met in university. But Stan's got a son similar to my age, yeah, younger than me. And Stan was taking his son to. Um, Iron Marsh campus to go and do Saturday sessions yeah. with a fella named Steve Grace at Iron Marsh. And um, I think my mum was like, oh, my son's interested in footy. He'll come up and have a go. And I remember going up there and being well better than all the other kids that were playing there. Like, them, Steve loved me at the time. I felt his love kind of yeah. thing. But I think he also loved my enthusiasm for it. Like, I was like, if the ball went out for a throw for the other team, I'd run and go and get the ball. I'm not going. Yeah. I just yeah. want to just, yeah, <laughs> Let's just, play yeah, just get on with it kind of thing. Um, so yeah, my first interaction with other people and playing football, it wasn't so much organised. We all wore our own stuff. You take, you took your pack lunch. It was every Saturday for about three months. And then I think once uni finished, I stopped going kind of thing. But in Dovedale School, at the time, we would deli- our school teams were quite good. We'd hear about them in the assemblies. So in assembly, can the year 11 boys please stand up? And yeah, yeah. Did, did we... I'm just like, Gosh, moment, that yeah, it. You I know, just like, want to be part of that. When, you know? when you've won and you stand up in that yeah, assembly... Yeah, it's amazing, yeah, isn't it? You're like Superman. Especially when you've scored. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I'd be in year... I'd be in year three, and you couldn't play until you were in year five. So there was only ages for year five and year six. Yeah. I'm in year three. And I knew the teacher was Mr. Haywood. I'd literally follow, I'm not, this, I'm not trying to like, I'd, I'd, any, I'd follow Mr. Haywood, Mr. Haywood, I can help you pick the team, alright, can I at least come and watch the match, and he was probably, what is wrong with this kid, <laughs> following me every, like, when it got to year five, mate, like, there was nothing, st- like, I just couldn't wait to put this jag green kit on, lad, it was the, the ugliest <laughs> green kit, it's yeah, <laughs> nipple rash and everything, lad, but I just couldn't wait to play. We used to play on some pitch. Like, I go on the pitch now. It's by Dovedale School. I'm like, how did we play on this? Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, just, I remember all my first... Like, I remember my first ever foot... So when when we started 
when I started I Marsha, my mum and dad seen that I was like, Oh, he actually likes footy, let's let's like invest in him a little bit. Yeah. They took me to a shop, I don't know if you'll remember, it was called Hitchens. Uh-huh. And it's like, Hitchens is This is Southend shop. If it was a Jack Sharp or, or Barney Shield house from me, mate. Okay, well Hitchens, I'm guessing was a shop, but my recollection of it was it sold tellies and everything and then Sold football boots as well. That's right. So I remember being at the till and there was a pair of Puma Kings. Yes. The, and they told me, I was like, I, I, pr- I shit you not, lad. Am I allowed to swear about yeah, that? Oh, fair enough. Shit you not, mate. You know, like, I've only ever had this feeling once in my life and it was the first time I went to Anfield. But, you know, when I seen the boots out the box, it was like, it was a mad, like, whoa. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so that's I said to my mum, I remember saying to it, who were they for? And she told me that they were for Stan's son. So I kind of like just accepted that. I was always very like, as a kid, I, I never wanted to put my mum and dad in a situation where they felt they couldn't get me something. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't ask for it because I was scared in case I made them feel like they couldn't afford it or yeah, nothing. Yeah. So I just accepted them Them Puma boots, weren't man. When we got home, they gave me them. I was like, wow, God, these boots. Yeah, pair of King Kenny's, mate. Yeah, mum and dad went out. And I was with me nan. Me nan speaks not one word of English still to this day. So I used to like uh, take advantage of that. Put the boots on, went outside and played on the concrete, bro. <laughs> Swear down, <laughs> fell over. I've still got the scar on me knee now. I remember looking down and it was just white flesh. Like, oh my God, like that what these boots do kind of thing. Um, yeah, so just like giving you a little memory of like, these are, these are, I remember these memories very, very clear. Like I said to you, my first ever Liverpool game, Liverpool v Blackburn. My first ever, ever match, nobody ever believes me on this, it was Brazil versus Japan at Goodison yeah, Park. Goodison, yeah. Went Do you that. know about that? Went to it, yeah. Oh my God, I'm so made up, because I tell me... Ronaldo, Roberto, yeah. Carlos, 2-0 Brazil, won it? I think it was 3-0. It was a 3-0, yeah. there you go, then. Now, when I tell people that I went to go and watch Brazil v Japan in 1995 at Goodison Park, do you think I'm chatting? Yeah, yeah. No, half our school went, yeah. Okay. Everyone, it was like big news, everyone yeah, went, so yeah. that It was called the Umbro Cup. So I went to that. That was my first ever experience of footy. Edmundo. Edmundo yeah, played. Yeah. Didn't he score, I think? But my first ever, like, Liverpool game was, funnily enough, Steven Gerrard's debut. So Liverpool v Blackburn. Michael Owen and Paul Lynch scored. And the reason I, I'm bringing this situation up is because when you got the first time you ever go to a game, or I don't know if it's the same for everyone, when you're walking, uh, not not in the pitch, but, you know, the, the behind, what, what's it called? Like, when yeah. you're walking. Yeah. You get a little, when you walk past, you can see like where somebody's supposed to go and you can see the pitch a little bit. If you know, like it comes up the corner of your eye, you can see like the green grass and a bit of red seats. And mate, I can't explain to you the goosebumps I had of like, oh my God, it was like a cartoon. Like this is real. So yeah, the, um, the, the back, back to the school thing, um, speaking to Mr. Haywood and just being like, yeah, I need to. <laughs> I need to play. I need to play. I need to be in this team. I wanna. I just wanna. Wanna put a kit on. I wanna be in the changing rooms. I've never done that before, and so yeah, I ended up playing for the school team in year five and finished. We finished in year six. That school team obviously led me to a few like I'd call it ad hoc like football. Like I, some of my mates' parents would have been at them matches and be like, "Oh, we've got a forty team. Do you wanna come and train yeah, with opportunities, us?" Opportunities. Yeah, yeah doors I'd go and have a little two-week cameo and then my mum and dad wouldn't take me back or I wouldn't forget about it. I wasn't like, I wasn't 
a committed like go to footy every Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. I didn't even know you could do that kind of thing. So yeah, that's my first my first ever like organised football and I'm so thankful for it. It was Dovedale School year ten lad. Oh, so seniors, where did you go then? Cold Stones. Cold Stones, yeah. Best experience of my life. Yeah. And it's a good footy footy school, really, yeah. Yeah, well, good good footy school and our year was quite good, but there was always just always good at athletics as well. The, the school our school team was very good, but there was always teams. SFX couldn't beat SFX. We just all boys school lad, and they had players like Ray Puttrell, Craig Fitzpatrick, like the players that they were bringing were playing for Man City and Liverpool, and we were all like yeah. playing for our local Saturday they league. Had team. That, they had that dream team at Liverpool, Puttrell, and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Derby and yeah, all that. They yeah. were like they never lost for years and years. Well, did Ray Ray Puttrell, we couldn't. He weren't allowed to play unless it was a cup game. And me good, me late mate Craig Fitzpatrick, he's, he's passed away, mate. One of the one of the silkiest players I've ever 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 seen. Honestly, it, it was so easy to him. And you know when you're kids and you're hanging around in the parks and stuff like that. And Fitzy would show up and be like, "There's Fitzy, lad. He plays for Man City." And like he was the proper yeah. dogs bollocks yeah. kind of thing. Um, Calderstones was Calderstones was one of those. Like I touched on you, Dovedale was quite considered like out of the area. And Coldstones isn't far from Dovedale, but with it being a secondary school, I think it's a lot of feeder schools for the, yeah. the schools around the area that I was brought up in. I was, believe it or not, like, so when I touched on my uncles earlier, they were wind-up merchants, so they would be like, lad, you're going to secondary school now. Do you know, like, you'd have fights every single day in secondary school. Like, <laughs> are you ready for the... And I, like, shitting myself, like, fuck it all, like, I've never had a fight in my life, do you know what I mean? Just, like, being protected by my family me all the time. And, um... Like I said, so you had a way allowed to play out or stuff like that. But it was starting to get to the age where my mum and dad, my mum didn't want me in the house. So, yeah, you can play on, like I said, you were allowed on the road, but this is in year 11, this is in year 6, by the way, so still a bit embarrassing that you're not allowed out on the road and the five-year-old across the streets flipping, yeah. doing cartwheels across <laughs> it. So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about this because it leads into the footy. So we, at, Col- at Dovedale, like I said, Predominant in the school team scored a goal against Mospit School. I still remember it. Scott. What position did they have you? Uh, centre mid. Yeah. Just because of the energy, I don't think I was like a. a I don't think I didn't have any position. Like there was no like structure to what I was doing. I just wanted the ball. I didn't know like when to turn. When I just I wanted the ball and I wanted to score, and that's all that yeah. I wanted to do. Um, so I think it was just a case of they put me centre mid. We weren't playing eleven aside. It was I think it was eight aside. But I do remember. My my job was to just get the ball back for us and kind of give the ball to Courtney McCauley and he'll score all the goals. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, one of the things about being deprived from going out to play was, in my head, I was the best football player I knew. So I remember when, like, as we get older, if I'd ever go to my nan's house, that would be a chance. My nan wasn't asked if I'd go out and play out. So my me, me mum didn't know. So I'd go out and play out in my nan's road where she lived at the time. We've all moved on now from that big house. Um, and I remember there was a kid, Travis Mansell, playing footy. Bit of a bit of a um, bit of the boy around the area at the time kind of thing. And he was playing football on, 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 on a pitch of grass. So I'm going to have a little game with him now. And there was another kid who was a bit older than us. And he was like, why don't you used to have a little one-on-one? And I was like, yes, I'll smash this kid up here. I couldn't get the ball off him. He was just faster than me, better than me. Skill. I, I, swear, I went home and I was crying my eyes. Like, I 
the first time yeah, I couldn't get your head around it. First time, how am I not the best in the world at football? Like I know I'm the best <laughs> in the world. Which the, the reason I mentioned that Travis story was because when we got to secondary school, just before we got to secondary school, I had a little incident. So I'd been playing out. My mum let me out, and there was a girl on my road, believe it or not, bit of a tomboy, and. There was a challenge. We, we were playing football and I've gone in a bit hard on her on a challenge and she's got up and retaliated. She got dead angry about it and she's like, that's it, I'm going to the top. I'm going to get my cousins. So there's me like absolutely flapping it. And I go, who's coming down here? <laughs> I'm not leaving my gate. I'm standing on my wall. Like if anyone comes, I'm running in this house quickly. And um, three lads start walking down the street with her. So I'm like, that. my little brother's with me as well. So I'm half like, oh, now this isn't, this isn't going to end well. So the walking down the road, now I'm familiar with these three lads because I see them like if I ever go to the shop for me mum or something there, the lads who you're like, okay, get your stuff quick. Yeah. So these three lads in my head, they're coming to absolutely web B now. Now, funnily enough, lad, one of them is someone I consider my absolute best mate now. So bear in mind, we've just, it, it end of year six, these three lads are walking down the road and they, they kind of let me off. I think they seen that I was absolutely not about that life kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, um... They, they end up saying to the girl, leave him alone, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was, but, but they also let me know, like, don't mess with it. Yeah, don't do it again. Don't do it again, but you, we're not going to do nothing to you this time. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because when we went to secondary school, and I'm under the impression that, lad, I'm going to have a fight every day. I've got to prove that I'm flipping whatever, whatever. One of them lads was in my school. And then not only that, he was like, for the first two years, he was known as like what they called the cock of yeah. the year. Yeah, case. Yeah, Philly Clark. Um, now, Philly Clark's actually one of the assistants at Pineapple with me now. Yeah. But Philly Clark came from, I think it was Morrison School, and he came with the reputation in the school. Like, he was the cock of Morrison, and he's come to this school, and he's he's like, nobody messes with, nobody, like, nobody fucks with him, basically. Yeah. Um, but what else Philly had was, he was a very, very, very good football player, and and he was, if I'm being honest now, he was a, he was a, beyond his years in terms of like he was he was doing things we did like little ones round the corner, yeah, just playing proper footy, yeah, proper yeah. proper footy, and we're just, um, but like I said, his his attitude to the game was spot on. He was he was like Roy Keane lad, like. Hard as nails, tack, lad. He tackled like a man when he was a kid, seriously. And he'd, he'd half go into the challenge hoping he'd hurt himself and the other kid. Yeah. I believe he did. But he was like the guy you had to prove yourself to in the to get into the school team, kind of thing. And and where, where is, I wasn't like I wouldn't say I was I wasn't a geek. I mean, I was popular from Dovedale, like in Dovedale. By the time we left Dovedale, I was I was with me singing and all the performing and stuff like that, everyone was me mate. Going into Coldstones, a bigger field, more people, different schools. Um, people, like Coldstones is quite posh. Yeah, Dovedale's quite posh. You got you got lads coming from schools that are rough as, rough as houses, so it was one of those, like, it's going to happen here. Um, and like I said, the team starts to take shape in in, 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 in Coldstones. They had their uh, trials, and you... you try and get it, it was like, I think every single lad went to, to trial, and in the first, first trial that happened, they, they, they identified who the best, best players were, and I never quite fell into that category, I think it was more a case of, just not being seen, there was, there was 300 yeah. plus kids there, um, so the team kind of took shape, and I was kind of, 
No, not, no, not like what's the word I'm looking for? That like I wasn't, I wasn't accepting of it, but I was okay with the fact that sound. I'm not in this school team now, and then there was a reserve team that I ended up playing for and stuff like that. But you know when you'd play at playtime and stuff like that, I was always like the lad who'd keep the ball the most. Like I was quite a good player, but I didn't fit in with like the football team kind of thing. So one of the things that went for me in Calderstones was. You know, like, obviously, mixed school, all the girls that were, like, the popular girls, let's say, in my year, they all came from my school, from Dovedale. All the other birds that come from all the other schools were never quite fell into the popular. So so the girls kind of, like, see, seen me as, like, their way into the lads, and the lads kind of seen me as their way into the... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I had, like, that little thing there going on. And so, like, if there was, like, parties and stuff like that, I'd probably be the person who organised it. Or if we were going to the pictures to watch something or we're going to hang around at that park, make sure we're all there at 7 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. I was that guy who would organise that stuff. Now, back to Philly Clark. Philly Clark was the guy who people would be like... It wasn't, like, back in the day where the social media and stuff like that. It was like, hey, we're having a party. Make sure Philly doesn't find out where the party is, kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and then Philly kind of... I I did I lived not too far from Philly, and another funny story. I weren't allowed to get the school bus. My ma never used to let me get the bus. And one time I had to get the bus home, but I was shitting myself about getting the bus. I know this all sounds pathetic, but this is just things that you're thinking about as a kid. And I knew Philly lived next to me, but I also knew Philly was like the boy in our year. So I was somebody like me gonna go and ask Philly. I don't need to get the bus home. I don't know what bus to get. And you live by man. I'm scared if he's gonna laugh at me. So I was like, hey Philly, I've got a pound for you, yeah. There's your pound. Can I get on the bus with you? And he took the pound, and we laugh about it now. Like, remember, you took a pound off me to get on the eighty-six. So come on, so lad, we got on the bus. I remember just everyone sat on the back, and I was just on the front. Like I can't wait for my stop so I can get off. I hope nobody puts me under pressure with every. I just want to get off the bus. And from that moment, me and Philly would just get the bus together to school, and it just started a little friendship there. But didn't have to buy a pound a day, did you? Nah, nah, forget that. Lad. I only got three pound for school then. Lad. Um, I'd probably lose all of it in jingles on the way as well, but anyway. Um, f- so, yeah, it was just like a, a friendship formed from that, which we probably didn't expect to form. Like, it wasn't something that you'd look and go, oh, yeah, they're mates kind of thing. It was just like, we used to get the bus together. We had a love for footy, but he was a bit of an arlass, and I was just a happy-go-lucky kid. I used to fancy myself as a footballer kind of thing, and, and I finally was like, I don't want to play for the... I want to play for the school team kind of thing. And it, it all accumulated to this moment where me and him and two of our other mates arranged that me and Philly were going to have a one-on-one, similar to what me and Travis had. At the top of his road, there was a goal painted, you know, in white paint yeah. on the wall. And it was first to 10. And if I win, I can play for the school team. And if I lose, don't ask me again kind of thing. And I remember two, Courtney McCauley, Dylan Adams were there watching the game. And I think... I think I was like nine eight to me, and every time I'd scored the tenth goal, there was a reason why it wasn't a goal. Yeah. Yo, it's hit the post. You fouled him. It keeper didn't save. So, but at the time, I'm not. I was just like a scared kid. Like, okay, no problem. We'll go again. We'll go again till Philly won. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so Philly wins, yeah. And 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 I'm walk like I'm gutted that that I knew it was only ever gonna end with Philly winning. But I was like, once it's happened, you're half gutted. And I remember walking home and Philly shouts to me, "Hey, you mad?" You're in the school team, lad. <laughs> That's the, the test. Swear to God. <laughs> it's so funny now that, like, 
it's cute and funny now that I think about it. Like this kid flipping. Does the teacher know anything about this? I know, <laughs> but to be honest with you, lad, the teacher was a bit of a like, like what you do whatever you want, boys. Philly knew more about footy than the teacher did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then, just past the test, like something a little rascal. No, I, I swear, I know a lot of the, a lot of the things that I'm going to tell you today come across like it's a film, but it's my interpretation of like how I felt at that moment in time. So, like I felt like I did pass the test in a sense of like it went from me walking through some entry to get to my road feeling so defeated and deflated, and as soon as I got to the other end of the entry, and Philly told me I was in the school team. But, boom! Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Dancing all the way home. Yeah, it was, it was it was a good feeling then. That's basically that school team was just every Saturday morning, you'd wake up. It was a, a boss at like your school team was your mates. Like they're your mates who I mean I mean English, maths, R E, P E, geography, history through the week and then on Saturday we go and smash some school up. We'd all meet one of our lads had a one of our lads and nans had a bakery right by the bus stop. So we'd all go there, get our signs, get on the bus, go to the school. It was just a sick feeling. You'd beat the school team. You never played Saturdays. Ours was always after school. Uh, the, the after school ones were boss because you'd probably get to leave just a bit early. Yeah. But school football for me was like, it, it was the one. School football yeah, it was, was good. It's where I met a lot of me. So this is another thing that's quite unusual about me. And if you ever get people on who have ever played against me, they'll tell you, lad. So even as a kid, I used to, I'm so interested in people. So if I see, it might sound a bit weird what I'm going to say. If I seen someone who was good at footy, I just automatically wanted to be there, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So even if... So we play SFX. There was a centre-half called Jay Murphy. I'd go up to Jay Murphy. I'd think, hey, lad, you're good at footy. Can I have your telephone number? Give me his house number. I'm thinking, I'd phone his house. Speak to his ma. Is Jay Murphy there? And she'd be like, who's this? It's him. I'd have played against him two days ago for his school. <laughs> and, but some people would be a bit acceptant of it and have a conversation with me on the phone some people are like what are you doing I used to do mad stuff like this is proper cringy but I ah, fuck it do you remember 192 yeah yeah I used to phone 192 if I if I knew the kids parents names and where they lived they'd give you the house number and yeah. then I'd <laughs> 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 I'm a fan I'm about you lad, I whether you like it or not weird stuff like now that I think about it like wow that's proper creepy that but it, it's all from a good place it was all just because they were good at footy and I wanted to what, like it's just more good football players that I know kind of thing. I used to set up in 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 secondary school. I was phoning lads from different schools from the north end and that, and saying, "There's a charity match on. My mate, all my mates are playing. My best mate and all of his team. Can you come and play for me?" I'd get lads from flipping the north end coming. Never met me before to come and have this little friendly. We'd play, we'd win, go. Home. Never spoke to them ever again. <laughs> I what I mean. I might see them five years later, and I don't remember them. Go. Lad, you and Mad, yeah, you used to phone my house, lad, and speak to me, man. Like, sorry, man, that kid, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, that was um, that was pretty much like my school. My school team was like my team team. Then it got to so so from getting into that school team, Calderstones, loads of the lads who played for Calderstones all played for the same Sunday League team, which yeah. was, at the time was called Smithdown. Yeah, which then Philly was captain and was the same in that school as in this school. So Philly brought me along with him to Smithdown. A lot of me mates from the school team were playing for Smithdown, so it was quite easy for me to settle in. But the main thing that I met the main thing that I gained from Smithdown was I met I met I met three men there. Um one, one Paul Lanes, um Paul Lanes who who is who was like I wouldn't say he was a coach or a manager. He was one of the, the dads one of the um 
players' dads, but very hands-on in terms of he'd be the one who took me to the Sunday League games and stuff like that. My mum and dad never used to come and watch it, but they didn't understand what was important about it. Uh, so I'd we'd, 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 I'd go to Tom Haynes' house, his dad would drop me off and pick me up from footy, and he was one of the people that I, you know, I owe quite a lot to in terms of his support at the beginning. But the two main men at Smithdown was a, a fella called Brian Young. Brian Young was like, I can't explain to you how my my feelings towards managers. So if you play, if me and you played for the same team, you could easily think, why is he up to manager's ass? But it wasn't, it's not that I'm like, I'm so interested. I want to know, like I'm, I want to put teams together. I'm, I'm, I love making dream teams. I love like, he's good at this. And he, I love the idea of big and little striker and hey, is it going to work? Stuff like that. I just want to have the mad conversations with the managers. And, and if the, some managers don't want to, I haven't got the time, but Brian, to be fair, another man, Wilden 182, I, I, I told him to hand out the, the World Cup to England. Like he's, I'm indebted to him, to be honest with yeah. you, because I weren't the, I weren't the best, like I weren't the best kid for me parents. So I don't know if people are used to this, but when you've been deprived of going out and stuff like that, and then you get that bit of freedom, you're absolutely run with it. So whereas I wasn't allowed out and then all of a sudden I'm in year eight and I'm starting to hang around with beards and I'm going out and my mum's like, you've got to be in at half seven and all my mates are coming in at 10 o'clock. I'm not coming in at half seven, I'll be out till 11 o'clock at night and my mum would be out on the streets. I'd, I'd, sometimes she'd drive past me and she'd be crying, where are you, son? I'm like, what's wrong with you, love? I'm hanging around with my mates, do you know what I mean? But Brian, they, my family knew that footy, they could damn me by the balls with footy. So if they said to me, you're not playing on the weekend, I'd do whatever I had to do to play. And I think at the time, obviously, Brian appreciated me playing for him. And so he'd work alongside my parents to ensure that I'd done everything okay to then be able to play for him on the weekend. In school, I used to be on a report book. And after every lesson, you give the book to the teacher and she writes how good you've been. It's not, I wasn't malicious. I've not got a malicious bone in my body, but I'm just so disruptive. I can't sit still. I'm so yeah, excitable. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those like the teachers loved me and hated me at the same time. Like it, I was, I wasn't someone who I weren't throwing chairs at teachers or calling them or effing and blinding at them. But I'd probably be the lad who wouldn't stop talking in the class or they're trying to teach a lesson. I'm, I shit you not, lad. There'd be times where teachers would come up to me at the beginning of the lesson, and go, "Hey, mad, listen, we just need a good lesson today. Is there any chance that you just won't be disruptive?" And I'm just, All right, say, and I'd do it for him just because he asked me nicely, kind of thing. <laughs> um, give them the book, they'd write very good, satisfactory, Imad was poor today, and then I had to get, there's 25 lessons, if I got 20 good ones, I could play on the weekend, so sometimes when I, when I was like, on the Friday, yeah, on the cusp, on the cusp, <laughs> I'd, I'd just give it to the girl, with the neatest handwriting, be like, hey, write very good there, and put a squiggle there, give it to you, I got five out of five today, love, so I'd get to go and play, um, so yeah, they introduced me to Smithdown, and like I said, Paul Haynes, Brian Young, but then the biggest one of them all was Dave Jensen. Dave Jensen is like the Bobby Robson to my Jose Mourinho. Like, he... Um, I phone him for anything in the world. Literally anything. And he's got so much time for me. He's a busy man, but he, he sits down and he talks and he's so clever. He demands nothing but perfection. Fitness is so important to him. When I went on... I later then... I later on in my career went on to manage which I'll get on to later and my first port call was to Dave 
Dave, can you just come on board with me? I just need someone, like, I'm 22, and some of the lads in these changing rooms are a bit older than me. I just need someone who can, like, kind of command the respect in case you can see anybody isn't giving me the... And he came in and he, he just done everything. He, wouldn't, he wasn't near effing and blind, and he just was subtle. Acted as kind of a shield for me, if you know what I mean. Always offered advice, always told me who was good and who wasn't good. Would absolutely bollock anyone who didn't work. And that's just like, like our training sessions for Smith Dan. The first half of every training session was a bleep test, which me and Philly Clark used to always win. I can run. Do you know what I mean? If I could do anything, I can run. So me and Philly would just absolutely blip this bleep test, and they were the standards that, that were set. And um, he's always maintained that discipline all the way through. And I've just admired that from him. He's always been there for me. And so Dave's a proper influential person in in, in then my my trajectory in football. Yeah. There's always someone, isn't there, who who sort of lays the foundations for the standards that you wanna you wanna achieve and someone you'd always look up to. I've got I've got that with some of my art managers and you just think, oh how boss was he. Yeah, but I I I love the managing side of things, like I said to you. And I think Dave was the only one who actually allowed me to 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 be that. To like some managers like, can you be asked getting a phone call at eight o'clock in the night when you're chilling with your wife and it's the flipping centre mid for me under seventeen's team asking me, What are we gonna do about this? And these play with the high line, do you wanna do do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Dave like used to always have time for me in that sense. So funnily enough, Smith Down coincided with the same time that our school started sending boys to the school boys. Yeah. I don't know how, how, how it was. I'm going, unlike your years old. Ancients, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, a couple of kids got, they, they picked it, what so-called the best kids. Yeah, so I think, if anything. I can remember, I think it was like around 2003, and our school sent five lads to the school boys along with all other kids. So the first trial is everyone gets sent, every school sends five lads. And then the second trial is all the academy lads then come. So I got sent. My school sent me, Sean Kelly, Dylan Adams, Philly Clark. I think it was actually just us four. So us four have gone. I'm like, flipping hell. I'm going to Liverpool school, boys. Yeah, Wally All Park, we went. Uh, I remember it so clearly. Got there. It's exact. everything I would have ever imagined. There was four change room doors. Your name was on the door. You were in the red team, the blue team, the green team, the orange team, whatever it was at the time. You go in there, 11 lads, you don't know. There might be one lad from your school who's in the same team as you. You put in your positions, you go out, you have a training match. And I done, I was like, I smashed the training match. I just remember thinking, why, why am I playing better than I've ever played in my life? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I think it was like the grass was amazing and everything was just like, I've never done this before. Do you know what I mean? Um, but at the time of playing for... Smith Down in my school, so I, I might be missing bits, but my school, like I said to you, not only was the school team like your school team, everyone was best mates. Like our team, we would all we, we'd all hang around on the weekend. We'd all play PlayStation together. We'd all hang around with the same beds, stuff like that. Um, so there was a striker called Liam Caddick, another one, one of my best mates. Now that that's one of the good things about my life. Like all the lads from school, we still. Very yeah. much tight knit. So Caddick plays up front for the trunk still to this day. He's still got it. Whereas I'm probably a bit <laughs> old now. Um, so Liam Caddick at this time was a striker who was playing for Smithdown. But we never trialed to get into the school team. But we all knew he was the best striker in the school kind of thing. 
So he never got that invite to the Liverpool schoolboys. So when I've got to the Liverpool schoolboys at the time, it was a it was a he was a teacher from Allsop. He was also the coach. His name was Tom Wyatt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he had an assistant with him who was playing for Tramia called Kenny Hines. Yeah, yeah. So Top player. <coughs> yeah. Well, I don't think he likes me. I'll explain. <laughs> so um, so. As you can, like, I don't know if you've noticed with me being here with you now, like I'm full of beans kind of thing. And I was, I couldn't control it when I was a kid. So if you can imagine, I was just a nuisance, not a nuisance in a bad way, just like happy, like so happy that I'm here kind of thing. And enthusiastic, full of passion at these training matches. And then after the game, done the same thing what I do with all the managers. Yo, Tom, I've got this striker there. He hasn't been called up, but he's very good. And I think he'd do a good job here. I didn't. I wasn't thinking about like he's gonna take my place or my mate is a good striker and he should be in these trials. Funnily enough, Tom goes to me, bring him next week, and I was like, oh, it's that easy. So I couldn't wait to get on to tell my best mate, hey lad, I've got you a trial at Liverpool School, boys, like that. So told him uh, the next week he travelled up with me, and he had his trial match. And after the after the whole trial match, Tom Wyatt grabs me and Liam Caddick in the changing rooms, away from all the other kids that have been here, and he's like like a proper amazing moment for me anyway he goes right boys listen I shouldn't tell you this but you two are going to get called back to the final trial um, we're going to send a list out to your schools to let everyone know kind of thing and like, lad, I, for me lad I've just signed pro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what I play for Liverpool school boys so I've left I've left that day proper absolutely buzzing got home told everyone in school the next day and blah 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 told Philly Clark yeah Philly Clark was one of the lads who was on the um, Philly wasn't never someone who was happy for you. Do you know like he wait like if I went and said, Philly I got into the school, yeah, fuck off lad. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he wait someone who So what happened was prior to Tom talking to me and Liam in the changing room, we had a tra- trial match and the ball went out for a throw for the other team. No, the it was our throwing, sorry, but Kenny Irons was refereeing the match. And he's gave it the other way. What I didn't know at the time was he done that on purpose. It's like a tr- test that they do to see what your discipline's like. Yeah, attitude. Yeah. Now, the ball's gone out for the throw and it was quite clearly the other way. It was quite clearly our way. So I've argued it. What do you mean? That's our, f- that's our throw. It's carried on for a little bit. And then, so the letter comes to school and my name's not on that final trial list. So... I've told everyone I'm <laughs> no. it's it's the names of Dylan Adams, Liam Caddick got to the final trial and Philly Clark. Now you can imagine Philly Clark got this list in school. He's got lad, you're not, your name's not on this list, you know. He didn't know at the time, lad. But lad, I went home and that I didn't really know at the time, but for a good two, three weeks I was cut up but didn't realise why. And it was my ma who actually like noticed like What's up with you, son? Like, is everything okay with that trial? Like, she knew I was going and stuff. I didn't have the art to tell her, like... He said I was going. It's not happened, kind of thing. And so, the reason I was telling you that story is because what happened then was all the lads who were at the schoolboys, um, I think inevitably, they all get clubs. So, Liam Caddick, Dylan Adams, and Philly Clark, they were... Dylan Adams was our right-back, Caddick was our striker... And Philly was our centre mid at Smithdown, our Saturday league team. Philly went to Tramia, Caddick and Liam went to Preston. And our Saturday teams just lost their three best players. Yeah. And so we kind of went from being, it was 
all my all my time at Smithdown, it was us, Garston Woodcutters, and a team called Snack. Snack would probably pip it every week. They had these two twins that were machines, mate. But them them three te- us three teams were always competing for the title. And then when we lost them three, it just capitulated, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It just started, you know. Lost the span, really. Now what happened was uh, Brian Brian Young, who I mentioned to you earlier, he was like the proper first team manager. And Liam Caddick is Brian Young is Liam Caddick's stepdad. So with Liam going to Preston, Brian couldn't really commit yeah. to doing the old Smith Down thing. Dave Jensen, who I mentioned, his son was the goalie at Everton. Michael Jensen played for Waterloo Dock too. Um, very, very good goalkeeper. But um, there wasn't really anybody there to manage the team anymore. And then that's where my managerial career started, believe it or not. So Brian was like, hey, man, you know, I know you're a kid, and <laughs> but do you want to see this season out for us? Tell, like, get you can get your dad and stuff like that to do the papers. Go ahead. So we had three games left of the season and I managed for the last three games. Um, and remember we played uh, Wolton. Wolton Boys was one of them and they were like one of the worst teams in the league. So it was the first managerial game you ever going to get a win. And I'd convinced Liam Caddick to play for me even though we played for Preston. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I was already doing all that. Um, all the ringer stuff from then. Uh, um, so <clears throat> we played, we got beat 6-1. Caddick scored. We had the other two games. I think my best result was a 2-2 draw against someone I can't remember, but Smith Down folded after them three games. But it always sticks with me. Like, isn't it mad that Brian trusted me at 14 years old to be the manager of... Boston, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. Like, I was doing the team talk and the team, the lads bought into it. You know, like, it's one of those, I don't know why, but you know when I talk in changing room situations or in stuff like that, I don't know if my passion or my enthusiasm, like... Um, yeah. yeah, like if it's infectious to the right, I'm not by no stretch of the imagination. Ta- like if you, if me and you had a conversation about tactics now, I promise you, you probably laugh at me for some of the stuff that I don't know. Like just stupid basic stuff. My managerial skills aren't tactical. I'm just good that I can make a player believe that yeah, he's Christian. Yeah, that's half the battle, mate. Yeah. Make a player feel yeah. 10 feet tall. Yeah, I can make him think he's Cristiano Ronaldo going out onto the pitch and that's the best, like, that's the best, um, that's the best thing about my skills kind of thing. So, yeah, um, school kind of finished. Uh, that that knock from Liverpool school boys was, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth kind of thing. But, uh, and then obviously Smith down folding and that and you're half what, what are you going to do with yourself now like all your mates who you've kind of formed the footy teams with they've all gone on to do bigger and better things and you know I'm just it's just like I'm just stuck kind of thing then I'm I um, bumped into the into probably the most influential which was Earl Jenkins yeah. so I'm in Calderstone school I'm in year 9 I'm um, in year 9 I'm, I'm like like I said to you I'm not a problem child I'm not one of those who's fighting or causing trouble or anything, but I'm just a disruption. A nuisance. Yeah. Funnily enough, Earl Jenkins, who I've heard about before and I've only ever met on one occasion, has got a job in Calderstone School as a mentor. Now, I know Earl because... What I've heard of Earl is he's a football coach and he's got loads of footy teams. He's very successful in, in the football circles and all the kids love him and stuff like that. And now he's coming to... Nice school and he's going to be a mentor. So I'm quite interested to hear what this is all about kind of thing. Coincides with Smithdown folding. And 
Earl then was going to make a team, Kingsley United. Yeah. He already had several Kingsley Uniteds, but he didn't have one for our age group. And with Smith down breaking up, he, he had links with a team called Jaghouse. And Jaghouse used to always win the kids' Champions League. They were from Dingle. Earl's got a nephew called Ivan, who's our age. And Ivan, you like Paul O'Brien, Bam Bam, Anthony Jago, all these players from Dingle. We were all from like Lodgy. It's unheard of that, like, you would never ever put these yeah, two. But to be fair, Earl's, Earl's a, a person you can make that happen. And so, lad, we formed this unbelievable team. Seriously, like, literally every position had a star player. And if he weren't there, somebody else could fill in and you wouldn't feel the difference. And we were all invested. Like, it wasn't one of those. Like, all of us used to show up every single week. Training sessions were amazing. Like, it was just a... Smithdown was fun. And, and like, the novelty of, oh, so you can actually play for a, a, a Saturday and Sunday league team. But Kingsley felt real. Like, we had squad numbers in that. We all used to... I was number 20. Top goal scorer in my first year with 24 goals. I still tell everyone the same thing now. <laughs> I see Earl now and you'll be like, Kingsley, 2004, top goal scorer. I'll be like, yeah, 24 goals, Earl. And we just... It's a running joke. I used to... I used to, like, be the person in the team that kept it all together in the sense of... I kept the stats. I kept the... But he's making, how come you ain't in training, lad? I'd phone lads, like 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 what I've just explained to you, just phoning boys that were just meant to be my teammates, but now that I've made them be mates kind of thing. And they all took to it, to be honest with you. Nobody was like, lad, stop phoning me already. Like, they were sound with it, do you know what I mean? When Earl joined the school, one of the things that he'd done for me was he introduced me to a performing art, like, you know when you you know when you're a bit of hypo, and you're like, what can we get him into? What will he like? So he's like, let's try performing arts. Now, the reason I started performing arts, I was on a detention one time in school. I'm sorry if I keep jumping from story to story, but it will all make sense. I was on a detention one time in school from a, from a mu- uh, in my music class. I'd got a, I got a detention and I had to do the detention in the music hall because the teacher that gave me the detention was head of music. And at the time, they were doing uh, Grease. You know Grease? The, yeah. They were doing a musical production. Yeah. So I'm in the music hall now, just waiting for my 10-minute detention to finish so I can get off. But at the same time, they're practicing Greece. And the girl who was Sandy was a girl who was in my year called Faye. And the girl, the lad who was playing Danny was a lad called Danny, but he was in sixth form, so he was quite a bit older than me. So I don't know why this story makes me laugh. So the teacher at the time, Miss York's on the piano playing, it's Grease Lightning! So... She playing that and he starts singing and I start laughing my head off and he starts singing. <laughs> so then everyone's like, well, not everyone, but they stopped it. like, do you think you can do better than him? Now, what they don't know is I'm a bona fide singer. So I'm like, yeah, just arrogance and confidence. She plays the tune and I just break into this Grease song. They don't know. My mum loves Grease. I know these tunes yeah. off by heart. I know Grease. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I got chills, they're multiplying. So it was that. And I hit all the notes to perfection. And I could just see Miss York like, oh my God, we have unleashed a beast. <laughs> and the kid who was, Danny was fuming. He's like, he's the, can you imagine? I've just been laughing at him and now I'm just absolutely putting him. To, I ended up getting the, the part. I ended up being Danny. And from that moment, whenever there was a school music thing, lad, I, I'm Muslim. I was singing Silent Night with the Christmas flipping in the church. Yeah. My mum's like that with the camera. Um, just any time there was a music thing, I represented them in Teen Idol, sang at the Philharmonic Hall, just had proper success with the music. 
I think it was more, I'm a good singer, but I perform and all that malarkey. I'm not scared of the stage or anything like that. So, yes, year 10 and 11 was a mixture of, like, you're playing footy, but you're also, like, this music thing that we're doing. Like, we'd have training on on, on, Tiber Ast- on, on, um, on, on the Astro, on Toki Astro, finish at, set, finish at eight. All my team, no lie, we'd all, in our footy kit, go to the picket in town because I had a set. So but the, all my foot team were in their football boots. They'd be like goffs there because there was goffs going to be doing a show. There would have been rappers there. And then i just go on and do a little Usher song. Everyone goes crazy. The place empties because I've brought them. Do you know what I mean? So you get confessions in your foot. Yeah. <laughs> Let it burn, it was. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. So my music and the singing and that side of things was quite like a predominant part now. Like it was starting to maybe overshadow the football inside of things, although football's my main thing. I was just good at singing, but if you said to me, do you want to be a singer or a footballer, I would have chose football all day. So yeah, Smith down. Ale being in the school, Ail, what happened from then was Ale, they were like, how can we calm him down? How can we make him like, what can we get him into? And Ale had links with an organisation called Positive Impact, which is like a performing arts school. And I remember he took me, he was like, listen, they do a Motown night. You just come, do an audition for them. You should get the part and then you'll be in on their books kind of thing. And I remember going to the first audition and they were like, right, can you sing this song for us? Which was a Stevie Wonder song. And didn't know the words. So I'm like, very superstitious. And then halfway through, hey, listen, I'm boss at Usher, you know, do you want me to just do Usher for you? <laughs> and they were like, no, we want, we want this song. If you can't do this song, I'm sorry, you can't do it. Anyway, end up getting the part and stayed with Positive Impact. Then like, I was on their books. So whenever they do shows and stuff, they'd yeah. phone me, blah, blah, blah. Um, so like I said to you yes, Year 10 Year 11 of school Was just Music Football Music Football Music Football Going out Getting into mischief As you do But but pretty much Like Just having Having a ball Kind of thing I've done work experience I remember that Work experience was I So everyone goes in Like To all these places My work experience was I worked as Kingsley United's manager <laughs> So <laughs> So that Ill. It, I, I cop out there. I know, but I was like, ill. I haven't got nothing for work experience. He was like, well, we've got an office. Do you want to just come and help us? I like, yeah. Can I be known as the manager? I went and become funny. So this was the first year that Ale made that super team with the Dingle lads and the Lodgy lads and anyone else who was good at fuzzy. And what I'd done was, during my work experience, I'd figured out that Kingsley had scored 99 goals up to this part of the season. Yeah. And the next goal was the 100th goal. So... I was like, oh, we've got something to play for this week. We were playing a team called Dales. They were bottom of the league, lad. So we're definitely getting our 100th goal in the next game. And I'm phoning everyone in our team. Boys, the next goal scorer is the 100th goal. And there was a lad called Paul Oryx from the Dingle who was like a bit half-hearted in, in the sense of he come. And, and he was probably one of three lads that didn't see the whole season out. Had other interests, footy way and his thing. But he was a good, good, decent player. Nice left foot on him. So I phoned Paul Oryx. It's like, weird that I'd call him. Like, yes, Oryx, it's him, lad, lad. It's like, just letting you know, lad. Kingsley's got a game against the Dales this week and the person who scores the next goal is the 100th goal scorer. Are you coming? He hasn't been there for four or five weeks. He's like, yeah, I'll be there, blah, blah. So the next game against Dales, the whole squad's there. Full squad. Ailes like, right, fucking hell, if you don't hear, lad, <laughs> I'm going to give everyone a game. We ended up getting beat 2-1 by Dales because everyone was asked about scoring. And it was Paul Oryx who got the goal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We never seen him again after that. I swear down. But just little things like that stick with me like flipping a lot. Why, why did we do? 
why why would I think of that and it all come into fruition? But yeah, Kingsley up until year eleven. Um, like I said, music, singing, partying, just what you would usually do in year ten and year eleven of your life. I remember um, when the the Liverpool County Prem first formed and the Zingari and the uh, County Comp merged. I was running uh, Brenesk in the Championship at the time, and Kingsley were in there. Okay, uh, that was the first time. It that sort men's of team come up against them. Yeah, the men's team. Yeah, and uh, I always remember our fullback Mark Tickle, his name was, and Kingsley's left back, a big tall lad, and. Ramos fucking tackle the two of them <laughs> boom like a fucking explosion yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Got, they got up had a little bit of a scrap yeah, and then yeah. the ref didn't send either of them off just let them he went right he's about three digs in each other right split up crack on the game boss <laughs> you know what lad it would be good if it was like that <laughs> if the two lads at the end would go you know what lad we've had a little scuffle now let's crack on with the game but it's not like that no more like we just had the game against the brow the other day two weeks ago trunks v the brow like just 15 seconds till half time a stupid incident where someone's gone to take a throw in, someone's not moved out the way from the line, it's cuffled off, the referee's gone, that's it, game abandoned. Like, oh, yeah. It's 15 seconds till half time, let us just go in, calm down and come out and finish the game off. But that's for another, that's for that's for the, the, the other part of the podcast, yeah. I'm guessing. So, um, so go on then, mate, adult footy then, so you're in your teens now, obviously you're saying. Yeah, so teens life, like left school and most of my mates all went to either un, um, sixth form, college, some of them went on to work. This coincides with my mum and dad now have opened their own business, which is where we're sitting now. Um, so going back 2000, and f- this is 2005 now. My mum and dad for the last five years probably thought to themselves, like, we've got two other kids, let's focus on them too because he's going off the rails and that kind of thing. <laughs> so um, they um, they opened this, this organisation which kind of took a lot of their time and a lot of their efforts kind of thing and maybe like I was now leaving school and kind of coming into my own when I left school I joined Positive Impact straight away so Positive Impact just started this new thing where if you leave school you can come here and get your GCSEs or A levels or whatever it was at the time but for me I weren't interested in the education side thing I just need to keep my mum and dad happy that I'm going somewhere I'm collecting £30 DMA but at the same time I had a full time job here I acted like I was 17 and earning a wage that, like, some of my mates dads and that way and earning, do you know what I mean? So when it comes to, like, the weekend that I didn't have no bills or stuff, we were going out, we were partying, I would spend my whole yeah. month's wage on that Saturday <laughs> and then struggle for the rest of the... Th- um, so, yeah, I'd say from from leaving school in 2005, Liverpool winning the Champions League, great day, that... Uh, Somewhere to love. Yeah. You read yourself? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was there. Good. I was in Istanbul. Oh, was you in Istanbul? Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, my dad is Istanbul, yeah. I, it's weird. I remember having this thought. I was thinking to myself, I'm only 16 and I'm never ever going to have this feeling ever again in football. But then I went to Madrid and we had the same, but you know, just being yeah. there in the, uh, it, was, it was a good feeling. But that Istanbul was a mad, mad, mad experience. Uh, Liverpool winning the Champions League was the same, like, Liverpool won the Champions League on the 25th of May. Yeah. My prom to leave school was on the 27th of May. Like, it was the best week of my life, do you know what I mean? It didn't throw you down his uke out on, did nah, you? Nah, like, like, you want to see the, my prom outfit will eclipse anyone's outfit. I went as a pimp, it was pink. I had a walking stick, I had a feather in my cap and everything. Yes. Um, but, anyway, we um, left school and I basically, I took a mad, so, 
in yeah, like I touched, I'm from Yemen, and when you're from a different country, there's there's a you're part of a community, and 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 my mum and dad like I've I've said this quite a lot. Like my mum and dad tried to keep me on this kind of road, and one of them was I, I never used to socialize with Yemenis. I didn't know any. I didn't like me seeing another Yemeni was like wow, you're like me. Do you know what I mean? The only times I'd ever see Yemenis was. When my dad would take me to football with him, so when I was younger, my dad would go and play with the 40 Yemenis that were in the city. <laughs> go and play with them, and I'd go, go there and just watch them play and just wish that they'd let me play with them, but I'd end up playing with, like, their kids or someone. But that's it. That's all I'll ever see of them. And then um, my mum and dad, along with their friends, decided, there's, in, 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 if I could be wrong with this, but this is my interpretation of it, there's two types of Arabic schools in, in Liverpool. Um, one of them is an Arabic school which teaches the readings of the Quran. Yeah? yeah. And then one of them is like where it's not so strict and it's like the performing arts of Arabic culture. It's not so much like religion and laying the rules and very strict. And my mum and dad, they'd, like as I was getting older and they wanted me to know a bit more about my heritage, they they created their own Arabic school along with their friend and I was going to that Arabic school but I know that there's another Arabic school where all the people that are like that I would probably hang around with would all go in there they probably all wanted to go to the other one which was fun but they would all go in there because their parents were like you need to learn the Quran you need to be on your religion you yeah. need to know the culture kind of thing whereas my I used to think like what they get they get lashed in that in that school if they read something wrong they get whipped and stuff like they're like mad stories yeah. like that. Um but my uncle Arafat who I told you about earlier, he'd sometimes go and have games of footy with them and he'd take me and I'd see the boys that were my age, but I'd never be able to play with them. They were probably like two or three years older than me and I was just like not not old enough to quite play with them, but I'd I'd see them there and be like, What? can't wait to get involved with them or in 2002 my dad tricked us <laughs> he goes right we're going on holiday to Yemen taking us back to the country we're gonna go for two weeks we end up staying there for two months <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a common thing where you tell the lads who are all westernized come you come to the come to yeah we're gonna go to Yemen for a little two-week holiday see the family and that and then you're there in two weeks dad when are we getting home lad and he's like no we're here for two, the whole two-month duration I remember I was following the 2002 World Cup in Korea Japan was it yeah, I think yeah, yeah. and um, we traveled on the day that Brazil played Germany I think it was the 29th of July or something like that or June I can't remember what it was but we end up staying in flipping Yemen for two months and I just I was devastated, you know, mate, if I'm being totally honest. And it's bad of me to say this because I shouldn't not like where I'm from, but I was too westernised. I just couldn't handle it. Like, I wasn't used to, like, this way of life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just weighed for me. I, I, literally, I was doing everything to get home. I'd, I'd go and meet, I'd, I've, obviously, I've got family in Yemen. I'd go and see my cousins and be like, write a letter in Arabic to me. Dad's so always impressed. And then if my dad reads it in Arabic, he'll definitely book me a ticket to go home. <laughs> but it just never happened. I just end up having to do the whole two months in 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 Yemen. Um, that was that was in year nine. I'm going. Uh, that was in year eight. Going into year nine. The reason I'm telling you that is because when we got to, from me going to Yemen, I met a lad in Yemen who was in my secondary school, and. 
because there was no one else that I knew, I ended up being friends with him in Yemen for these two months. And then it transferred to back to England. So in England, I'd started hanging around with him. And then he started to bring me in the circle with all the Arab lads that were like my age. And it was like a bit mad, like, what? These are exactly like me. There's nothing that I have to be embarrassed or shy about. You know, like, some, I know this sounds stupid, but we don't eat, we don't eat pork. So when you're a kid and you go into a place and everyone's getting a sausage roll and you're having to get a flipping veggie roll, it's it's like you. F- even though as a thirty-five-year-old now I wouldn't care to go and get a veggie roll in front of me mates. You got as a kid, you're the odd kid. It's, yeah, yeah, you just didn't want to see yeah. the difference. Yet. Now when I'm with all these Yemeni lads, like lads were doing everything the same, and you can't help but like, like there's no there's no fear if you know what I'm saying. Am I doing anything wrong? But that was just a phase of like, I was I was mainly with my schoolmates and I'd see them maybe every two weeks. Oh, we're going Europa pools in Baconhead. Do you want to come? Go ahead then. Do you know what I mean? But, but I formed good relationships with them. Yemen, the community is quite big in Liverpool. It's massive now. But back when I was a kid, it wasn't as big as what it is now. And then when my dad was here, it was even smaller. And when my granddad was here, there was about five of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So... The generations, it's like, I'm th- I'm third generation, but now you can find sixth generation, like my mates have had kids and their kids have had kids and you look at them and they don't speak a word of Arabic. They don't even, like, you wouldn't, you spoke to them on the phone, you would not know yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it was very hard for me to find lads my age and then they have to be good at footy as well. Do you know what I mean? So amongst our community, I can tell you, there's a lad called, we call him Abby Figo. He's 49 years old. He's the first ever best Yemeni footballer in Liverpool. After Abby Figo, there's there's a few others that come after him. But maybe the next best one is a lad called Wile, Wile Al-Jaradi. He played for Liverpool for a long time. Sorry. Um, coming after Wile, a lad, a couple of years older than me, Amin. He's like my, um, like way from the same generation of Yemenis so me and him would have grew up together and all my life has been who's the best is it you or I mean is it you or I mean but like I don't see it like that he's just he's my partner in crime kind of thing then after me then, then after the after mean there's me who was like the new Yemeni kid you know just popped on the scenes they only knew me I, I never used to hang around with Yemeni so when I've come on the scene at 16 17 they're like what the hell is this kid like popped out of nowhere then after me there's a new kid called Nabil Nabil is Nabil plays for Yemen now in the world in one city, sent to me. Like, yeah, sure, yeah, he's full of beans. Plays for Admiral on a Saturday. And then now there's the generation of talent now, mate. There's so many, but we've got Jawad Jebrin playing at the city yeah. of Liverpool. JJ, yeah. yeah, he's on fire. Like, but I can't explain to you, like, you know me, I've, I've watched my dad go and play with like the men now who can't walk because they're on walking sticks. They're old. And I've seen... JJ come through and even ones who are younger than JJ I'm bang in the middle and I'm so because uh, I'm maybe somebody who's my age who loves it or, or maybe someone who's my age who plays footy wouldn't be as asked about the fact that look Abby Figo's 49 and little Malik is 17 like look we've got a history now it's, yeah, yeah. it's started yeah, and, this generation yeah, now, yeah and that's just amazing so I can't explain it gives me goosebumps when I think about that um, <clears throat> so from going to Yemen and hanging around with this kid and then coming back to Liverpool there was this football session that the Yemenis would put on and it was every Sunday 
at nine o'clock till ten o'clock for one hour in a place called the Unity, which is an indoor um, footy facility. And it's like, it's been done up now, but back then it was like metal goals. Like you hit the crossbar, it goes ding, and stuff like that. You're bouncing off the walls, the rain's leaking into the place, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. There'd be like, no exaggeration, 45 Yemenis would show up at nine o'clock, five captain, four captains or whatever. They pick five players and it was one and off. So you could have been waiting for half an hour. You get on, team scores from kickoff. You're yeah. waiting. <laughs> on, do you know what I mean? Don't lose. But I, I can't explain to you like, the Yemenis aren't the best at footy. They're not. There's, like I said, there's a handful of good players. Me probably falling into that bracket. So can you imagine at 17, 16, 15, 16, 17, going, like, I lived for going to the Unity because everyone loved me. Like, I was like the boy. It was like, I can't believe that. You come here. That was my main football, was going to the, to the Unity. And from the Unity, what happened was, Obviously, there's a there's an older generation there, and a couple of them came over to me. and They were like, "Listen, we're going to Yemen. We're taking a team over to Yemen. Do you want to come with us?" Now, I've just touched on my experience in Yemen. Lad, two years ago, I was in <laughs> Yemen. Lad, I, I thought I'm never ever going back there, but it was footballing. The team and they've all got red trackies on Al Ghazali football club. Like, I'm feeling this, you know. So when I went and told me that, I was like, "Yo, Dad, I want to go to Yemen." He's like, "Yeah." Go ahead, lad. <laughs> Proper made up that his son's come to and told he wants to go back home. So we're going to Yemen for a month. The whole football team's gone. I can't explain to you how we were treated in Yemen. I think they thought we were Liverpool FC. Like, we were going into Foster. full stadiums, full trackies on. Everyone's like, wow. Lad, we played three games and got battered by every team. Like, <laughs> we went and played. They, they like... They gave us the respect that we were like a proper team from Liverpool and we were playing like top teams in their leagues. I think the first game was 5-0. Second game was like 6-0. We didn't score. But the same thing was happening to me. I was very homesick, lad. Even though I was with all the boys and it was footy and that. I had the beard at the time. And I know it's cringy, but I just wanted to be home. Do you know what I mean? Um, And all my mates are kind of laughing at me because they're all like, they're westerners, but they've got that. They've got the culture within the roots. Whereas I'm like... I need me mats. I didn't get me socks out for sure. It just wasn't for me. I met another kid in Ye- so so this team that went to Yemen. There was another lad. His name is Abde Abde Saleh. He's from Breck Road End, class of forty. But he was he's from the north end compared to us. Like if you spoke to him on the phone, you would not think he's he's like all right, lads. What's going on, kid? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I've gone to Yemen kind of in the same boat as him like we're not really culturally aware of how things run and we're kind of like just just get just when the footy's on we can't wait for that bit Abdul's a bit more hot-headed than me and a bit more like Abdul's getting sent off every game and he's just a proper lad from Anfield Breck Road like what's going on the fame whereas all of us are dead like respectful and in our culture it's respect to the elders and stuff like that so Abda kind of took me under his wing because he could see that I was a bit like, I just want to be home now. And he was like, lad, me and him would stay up at night. Like, lad, I'm like you, lad. I just want to get home too, lad. How are we leaving this country, kid? <laughs> so I shouldn't, this is a bad thing what I'm going to say now, but I needed a way to get out of Yemen. Like I needed to, fa- how am I getting home? I can't stay here no more. And ugh, it's bad what I'm going to say now, you know, lad. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, get a phone call. I'm on a, we're on a bus on the way to an away game and um, I get a phone call uh, one of the coaches who's looking after us gets a phone call and he goes to me I'm about to need to speak to you after we get off the coach so he's like 
this is a flipping sick at all, man. <laughs> so he goes to me, listen, um, what bad news, your granddad, in, 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 now, just, just to, just to put a bit of, I've got, obviously everyone's got two granddads, um, I never ever met my mum's dad, my mum's dad was, what I've known of, is being a very nice person, and so that's why, when I touched on earlier, my mum's family came to Liverpool, and lived in our house, they left, my mum's, left Birmingham, yeah, Korea, left yeah. Birmingham, and ran away kind of to Livia, my granddad, my, on my dad's side, gave them refuge, let's call it, so my, when I grew up, and I'd asked, where's my granddad on me, it was always like negative, like, oh, he, he weren't the best person to know, so, um, apparently, uh, he'd passed away, while I was in Yemen, and they passed that message over to me, so your granddad's passed away, and at the time, they didn't tell me which granddad it was, or if it was the other one, it would have definitely been devastating, so I'm like, who? And I didn't really even know his name properly, do you know what I mean? So they've told me his name, and I'm like, I'm going to have to go home, you know? <laughs> I'm going to have to go, I just, it just pinged like, I can't, I need to go home, I can't miss, like, my granddad, sure, never met him in my life, bro, do you know what I mean? But obviously the message has been sent, so I've used that in my power, to get me home, so we're travelling, so in Yemen, it's like equivalent to England, we've just went and got beat by Liverpool FC, we've just been beat by Man United, now we're going to live and get beat by Chelsea, yeah. <laughs> and on the way to Chelsea's where I've been told this news, and they've basically told me, you know, granddad's passed away, um, what do you want to do about it, I need to go home, I need to go and be with my family, I've got back on the coach, and I remember saying, I'm, I'm going home, lad. I'm going home, bro. It's like, is everything all right? Yeah, my granddad passed away. He went, oh, nah, nah, don't worry. It's all right. I don't know him, but don't tell no one. Yeah, don't Do you get me? me so what was amazing was, we're, we're just giving you the analogy of we're going now to play Chelsea. When we went to go and play, I, I'm, I'm using the word Chelsea just to make it easier for anyone who's listening. When we go going to go and play that, that team from that city, that's the city where Abd is actually from. So... What Abda done, I only found out afterwards because w- when we've got to, like, let's call it Chelsea, I've got off the coach and literally gone to the airport, booked my ticket and came home. What Abda done was, his family are in that city, so who he would have known. He never got on the coach back. He just said, I'm staying with your family. And then the next day, he travelled home. Do you get me? Yeah. So it was like, I think once he realised I was gone. Now, I never, ever seen Abda again, ever, for about 10 years. Later, after that, like, there was no interaction between me and Abdur ever again, but I just remembered there was this kid in Yemen that I proper admire and looked up to, and I loved that he looked after me. Like, without him there, I would have been struggling, if you know what I mean. But that was my first taste of Yemen football team, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And then, obviously, that kind of gives you, like, let's go and play another country. Let's go, let me go, let me see, I've got mates from all over the place, let me phone my mate Mo from Somalia, let me see what they can do. Hey, can you get a team together? And so, he gets the best 11 Somalis, I get the best 11 Yemenis, and we always having little friendlies in like, 2006, 2007 times, just like, not on two major, most of them would end up in fights, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was just like, it was a, it was a little, I had, I know we're going to speak about the world in one city in a bit, but the world in one city, a lot of people always assume that it was something that I made up in lockdown in, in my time. Yeah, but it had roots well before that. Well, well, well before that. It had roots to back when I was at Smithdown and I had played in something called the International Tournament. I don't yeah, know yeah. if you ever played in it. It was up by Heron Eccles. Yeah. 
And the lad was playing against the team from South Korea. Could not believe that this team from South Korea has travelled down here to play us. Like, this is mad. Yeah, it's partial. Sure, it's man. amazing. We played a team from Cameroon and there was a corner. It was sunny as hell. And the kid's got gloves on and he's going... <coughs> I swear to God, he's blowing his hands on on, 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 on the... Um, on marking the front post and that. Like, wow, this is absolutely nuts, this. Like, just learning that and just... I love the idea of being... I don't know sounds probably crazy. Like, I'm from Yemen. So, at one point, I was the best Yemeni footballer in Liverpool until some, until Nabil came and overtook me. But having that mantra was like, it's a thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think within communities, you have that. So, all community, like if you go to Astros, especially in the South End, when I, you see a group of players and they're all from one country, they're all playing together and they're all, they all know their own ways and stuff like that. Obviously, that was a, a lot before. So when we touch on World in One City, mm. when, when did it first come about? Who did you have to speak to? And what was what was like, how far did you think you could go with it? Did it start off as just Can this I, country will play this country? Yeah, yeah. I've kind of just explained my childhood to you. And then there's a bit, there's a middle section which probably leads into the World in One City. But I'll try and whiz through this bit dead quick, okay? Yeah, go on. So, like I said, left school and... Positive impact, singing, little bits of footy, like go and play for your mate's team there for the little week, go and have a little game there, here and there and there. And I was just having, just in and out of footy kind of thing, 2006, 2007, 8, 9 kind of thing. This was also, I was kind of going down a mad road of, not a mad road like getting in trouble with police and stuff like that, but I was just doing stupid things, like things that eventually you're going to get hate, arrested, like, seriously injured, you know, like... Daft shit. Yeah, just daft shit like that. You just, like, now that I think about it, what, what was I playing, that kind of thing? Well, it all accumulated to this moment, lad, where it was on the... F- I remember the date and everything, lad, 5th of November. <laughs> I remember, remember the 5th of November, yeah. that's why I remember it. I was in the car with my best mate, Peter Renner, um... And and his and his cousin and we just left the Brook House, which is a which is a, a a boozer down the south end. And um we'd planned to go out on a night out. But it was just in in, in the Brook House, we're like, let's go out tonight. So like go ahead, Sand, I need to go home and get changed. So we're in the car and we're buzzing and, and my house isn't far from the Brook House and we're driving and I was half like putting a bit on the on the on the car kind of thing. And just when I say it now, like I, hate, I hate the story because I wish I didn't do it. But I turned around, I was like that. Mad as well. The, the music we were listening to, not one word of a lie, was a Kanye West song and it's called Drive Slow. Okay? So I'm like that to, to me, mate, Renner. Lad, I'm going to do, do an handbrake turn into this road. Yeah. He's like, go ahead, lad. He's <laughs> like egging me go on in that. Go ahead, then. Lad, I had the automatic, can't even do an handbrake turn, <laughs> lad. But it was mad because I turned into me road now. I turned into my road and we smashed into a wall in a nutshell. But it had more connotations to it because we just moved into this road. We were the fair, we were like, we just moved from Lodge Lane, Toxteth, Boswell Street to Mossley Hill, Rosemont Road. Like, I don't, we'd been there six minutes pretty much and the, there was no ethnic people on our street, lad. It was just us. So it was like, uh, and then. The lads just went and crashed into the wall. <laughs> She's like, it's not a good look. It's not yeah. a good start. You're like, that. Yeah, no, oh, they're going to be on us now. <laughs> so, my first thing was, lad, shit, I can't let me dad know. <laughs> so, I remember reversing out to the, this 
broken wall. It's like 11 o'clock at night. The brick, that you know as well, it wasn't just a normal brick wall. It was like this three grand wall that we had to end up paying for. Reversed out, got all these bricks falling off my car and that. Didn't know what to do, lad. Shit myself. Parked the car up at the bottom of my road and ran to my bird's house and stayed in her house till seven o'clock in the morning. Woke up the next day, walked back to mine, walked past the same wall I smashed open that it was all a dream kind of thing. Got to the house, seen my dad in there. And he's like, the police knocked last night, by the way, mate. So they're going to come and see you tonight. Do you reckon you were pissed and you've ran away and they're going to come and ask you questions? I'm like, oh, fuck that. Screwed you. So I tried to explain, like, obviously the police come and see me that night when I explained to them, look, I crashed the car, slipped, it was November the 5th, slippy roads. And the reason I didn't stop was because, which is genuinely the truth, I didn't want to face me dad. Not because he was going to do me, you know, not the disappointments of him. Like, this was going to be the seventh car I crashed or something, do you know what I mean? Like I said to you, I was just doing stupid daft stuff. And so I made I made the maturest decision I've ever made in my life. Was So in our culture or in our, our people, the Yemenis, and, and probably in all other um, diversities, you know when, like, there's a kid who's going off the rails, the parents will send them back home to kind of, you know... Go and, go and appreciate life, go and see what other people are going through. Yeah. And like... Reset. Yeah. I was always aware of lads I knew that went back to Yemen to do that. They'd go and get married and then they'd come back here and they were all of a sudden, they were like new men. And I didn't want that to... I'm not going to Yemen and getting married or doing anything like that. So I made this decision. Uh, Mum, Dad, I want to go and live in Egypt for a year. Why not? It's like, I just need a change. I, I, I don't know what's happening to me here, but I'm just going through a mad patch and maybe a change of scenery. I want to go to Egypt. I picked Egypt because it was an Arabic country and I knew I could speak Arabic. I could live there and probably get by. I didn't want to go to Yemen. I didn't want to go to, like, I felt like Egypt was quite a popular place. If I say to me, mate, I'm going to Egypt. It sounds better than I'm going to Yemen kind of thing. So they agreed and I went to go and live in Egypt in 2000 and t- 2010. I went to go and live in Egypt from January the 11th onwards. I say a year, I give up after six months. I came back to watch the 2010 World Cup, South Africa. Always revolves around yeah, the World does. Cup, doesn't it? So, um, I've done, I done six months in Egypt. And like I said to you, it was a mad experience. The reason I chose Egypt as well was because previous to that, my mum and dad and my sister and my brother would go on holidays and that's where they'd go. Yeah, I was just never the pace. I was like that, that age. I'm not going with you. I'm not going with Sharm El Sheikh was where you're supposed to go, but I never went there. I went to like the village, Cairo, like uh, capital city, but like in the in the mud kind of thing. Um, met a family over there, and um, they kind of. I had no friends in Egypt. I was my friends was this man who I met who was my dad's age, but he loved forty two. And the way of life in Egypt is so different to here. Like, you only work four hours of the day because it's too hot. So in them four hours, you proper put your graft in. You have a siesta. And then in the night, lad, the city just never sleeps. Bro, it never, ever sleeps. And you play football. No word of a lie. People your age and, and even older play football from 10 o'clock at night till 3 o'clock in the morning, lad. Can you believe that? And and it's floodlit. Like there's no like it's not close. You could just stay there, and they used to. They were all like my dad's age, and then I'm like 21, so they were like in the late 40s, early 50s, 
And I'm like, this proper enthusiastic footy player can't wait to play with them because I reckon I'm going to be the best yet. And it was like a small, they play five-a-side and it's similar to what they do in the Unity, but they do it different. You play for 15 minutes and whatever the score is at the end, the next team comes on. But the lads who are off the pitch, it's different. Like, they're not asked that they're off the pitch. They often want to be off the pitch because they're socialising with the mates and they're talking yeah. about something else. And then when it's their time on, it's like... I'm like, can I play instead of you then if you don't want to play? Because I just don't want it ever come off. But I remember, I learned the most I've ever learned about football while I lived in Egypt. And I'll explain why. Going to play with those men at 14, 50 years, of, 14, 50 years of age, it was very much like I wasn't allowed to go in and rattle someone. I couldn't like close stuff down. It was very much just like pass, move, touch, play, one, two touches. And... I remember in my first few sessions, they were like, yo, you can't play with us, you're too rough. We've all got, we're all 40 and 50 years old and you're going in like it's the World Cup final. And so I had to learn to play on just one and two touches and don't run so much. And But then I started to enjoy it. It was like, wow, there's gaps that are opening here. If I do that, if I just drop this shoulder here and don't actually go or, you know, like hold the ball or give an instruction or talk or, do you know what I'm saying? I yeah. just learned so much and I was fit, like, there was nothing that I could do in Egypt that I would have been doing here. So I wasn't going out partying. I wasn't going out, like, staying out till all out. I was just fit. I just wake up in the sun, go and play footy, go home, do the same thing every day for six months, literally. So when I come back to Liverpool, I was, like, thinking, I'm ready to go and play for Liverpool. Like, I was so ready. I, I'd never looked like... I was quite a skinny youth, scrawny, but... I'd started to fill out a bit like I could feel I was wearing like tighter tops and not like yo I'm starting to feel myself <laughs> yeah with my little one, one pack um, but yeah came back to Liverpool and at the time that I'd come back to Liverpool like I said prior to me going to Egypt I was getting into stupid stuff but at the same time I was I still had my passion my love for football I was going in and out of teams I'd go and help here and go and help there you need a striker today I'll come and do a job for you blah 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 kind of thing so when I got back from Egypt, I was I was keen to crack on with the footy now. Like I felt like I was ready and I could like play properly. Like and I also had this newfound confidence as well. So whereas I'd oh, I've always been somebody in a team where I reckon the manager it's easy. You know, like there's them players in the team where if you got a bit of a selection dilemma, I was probably always the easier one to go. You're on the bench because I would never kick up a fuss. I'm so for the manager. If you know what I mean, like I want. I'll do anything to help the team be successful. Even if I think I should play, the manager doesn't. I respect them too much. Um, so when I got back from 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 Egypt, my first port of call was to phone Earl to see what's going on with Kingsley United. Now Kingsley United were having a problem because there was a team being formed called the McGinties. Now McGinties was a new team in our area that was run by Festus. Fearing, who was like quite a popular figure yeah. amongst the area, and I think a lot of the lads wanted to play for him. He had all the all the like good players wanted to play, like to be associated with being a good thing kind of thing. And it was a case of, am I coming back to play for Kingsley or am I going to McGinty's? And I remember there was a match where McGinty's played Kingsley, and I'd asked if I could play for 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 McGinty's because there was no space in the Kingsley team at the time. And they let me play. I was on the bench, come on and scored against Kingsley, a worldie. And I told Ail before the game, if I score, I'm not going to celebrate. But I'm known, like, I could score a shitty penalty. Like, I'm ce I celebrate every goal, bro. Literally. Um, 
so celebrated and it was like it was a good start to like I've just come back I've just scored this goal against Kingsley and like the boys are kind of accepting me in this team here but then I started to form this place at the squad that I was just the guy who was coming come on off the bench and I, I, I shit you not mate I'm not just saying this to sound amazing like I was scoring every I'd come on off the bench and there was the striker in front the strikers were better than me but I was just scoring the goals like they probably done all the work and then I'd come on last 15 and back to like when the score was 7-0 but it was still like I was still like feeling like I'm I'm um, contributing to this squad kind of thing I think McGinty's formed a bit late with the registration side of things and so they had to go to the Baconhead League and it was a bit more easier than yeah yeah. so we were just travelling up to Baconhead gang of lads from Toki going up to Baconhead playing all these like mad teams whacking them like 7-8-0 with with players such as Ralph Welsh, Boan Dixon, like players, yeah, Bosch players. very good players, um, and they were just coming into it as well. Like, obviously, they're probably past the prime now, but this is when we had them just before they would then go on and sign for clubs, kind of thing. So yeah, I never ever got to, I never ever got to like, I never ever got a start for for McGinty's. I, I remember in pre-season. McGinty's played Pineapple in a friendly, scored the Attrick, come on off the bench, scored the Attrick against Pineapple, which is my team now. And there's just always little moments like that. I had players in the team who were like, lad, you should be playing you. And Bowan, Bowan, who's another one who's a very good friend of mine and one of the one of the people I owe quite a lot to in terms of the success of the world in one city and how much he's invested his time into it kind of thing. He said to me when we were younger, he went, you know what your problem is, Imad? It's too easy for you to be dropped. Like, what you think? like when the manager's looking at who am I going to play like he knows you're not going to say nothing so it's just easier for him to go you're on the bench yeah, than it. so that gave me the motivation to, to give Festus a phone call <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so very bad like it's one of those like phoning Festus is already a bit nerve wracking as it is but phoning him to ask him for a favour so I phoned him yeah and he's answered the phone and he's gone hey, man, hey, man, I'll call you back mate he, he probably wasn't even aware of why I was calling him. He, he probably oblivious to the fact that I wanted more minutes. So he's like, I'll call you back in a minute, mate. Can you imagine I've just built myself up to tell the first look like I think I should have at least one start. Because at this point, and, and I'm not I'm not like just making it up to make it sound, every single player in the team had at least had a start. We're playing teams that were whacking eight and nine nil, you can sacrifice one time. So like, it's only right that the kid who's coming on and I'm bagging for you every week, give him a little go, do you know what I mean? So... I found Festus, like I said, he, didn't answer, he, he, he couldn't speak on that call, but then he would pick, Festus didn't live too far from where I lived at the time, so he'd pick me up for football and take me, and um, I remember he picked me up in his car, and, he, and I was in the front seat, and he's like, oh yeah, you called me the other day, what did you want me for? I was like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, so I don't know why I just plucked up the country, but, well, the most sheepish thing, I was like, well, you know what it is, right, yeah, like, I've just, I've done, I've done the maths in, everyone's like everyone's started and I've never started and, and I score every week and he just flipped he didn't flip but it was like he let me know don't ever ask me that kind of, what do you want me to do lad I've got Ralph I've got Bowen I've got Kate I've got this yeah, I know where I stand it's like you know what mate I'm happy on the bench to be honest with you I don't even know why Bowen told me to flip and speak to you <laughs> so anyway carried on going for about two or three weeks and then one week I didn't go and then the next week I came back and there was a, there was an incident where somebody the, one of the players on the pitch needed to come off, and I was the only sub left to come on. It, one of the lads has gone to Festus who was playing. He, he played himself. It's like we've got him, Adi. Yeah, let's put him on. 
Best just goes, no, he weren't here last week. Fucking hell, that muscle want me, lad. <laughs> the one week I've missed, I've been here every single week. You've never brought me on. And the one week that I've missed, you've remembered. But I, like, that was such an embarrassing moment for me because everyone kind of knew what that meant. That meant, like, he's shit and he's not coming on the pitch kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I kind of got the message from that and then left McGinty's kind of thing. Knew it wasn't for me. By this time, Kingsley had folded because McGinty's kind of was... Just the man, Yeah. And so... Like I said, it was just a case of ad hoc football. I'd just have a little game there, have a little game there, have a little game there. And then the breakthrough came when we, uh, when we met David Farley, a lad who was brought up on the road that I was brought up on. He phones me out of the blue. Hey, mad. Hey, my team, Wavertree Vale, we've got a game, lad. Can you come and have a game for us? Where he's playing? Um, playing up in Wallyall Park on the back pitches. So I've drove up to Wallyall Park to come and have a game for this team, Wavertree Vale. The manager's a lad called Noddy. He's also the goalkeeper. And it's just a local, it's a team of lads, I think they're all from Wooten. And they had this lad called David Farley that I knew, and he told me, he knew that I was kind of a footy slag lad, I'd go anywhere for a game of footy. So I went and had a game for them and smashed it. They were, they, they were like absolutely made up. We were like, wow, you're good, how come you're playing for us? Like, just doing a favour for David Farley. Like, can you come next week? I was like, yeah, I'll be here next week. And then I went the next week, same same result, smashed it. It's like, hey, can I bring my mate here? They're like, yeah. So brought one of my mates. Now there's two of us. Can I bring another two? Now there's four of us. By like the fifth week, the team was half my mates and half the lads who were there. The lads. Now my mates were well better than their lads. And we were getting to like state. There was a big cup game coming. And I, by this time, my idea was by the time we get to that cup game, it's going to be 11 of my players kind of thing. And then this is going to be the first time I'm going to take over the team. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, like I said, that's what I was doing. I was just one at a time, adding a player, adding a player. Kind of hoping Noddy's not noticing what I'm doing. <laughs> but also, <laughs> but, oh, but, but also, but also, Noddy's the only one. All his team are moaning, but Noddy's like, no, no, bring them, bring them. So I'm like, okay. But you don't know, like, obviously what I'm doing here, lad, is I'm taking over on the sly. Do you know what I mean? Um, so we had this cup game. And I, by this point, lad, I'd... I'd the whole squad was my squad. There's like two lads from is on the bench, and I and I don't know where I was getting the plays from, but this is a p- important part. This the way Marshall, the way, the way I formed my first team was like everything was aligning. So I used to hang around. This is another. This this is this lady's very important. Her name's Nadia. Her son Kadim. We used to hang around in her house. Kadim's four or five years younger than me. I used to hang around in their, in their house and just like, you know, where you'd hang around on a Saturday or a Sunday or even on, a, on an evening night. And Kadeem was younger than us. All my mates used to chill in Nadia's and Kadeem probably used to look up to us, but Kadeem was such a fantastic footballer, bro. Hothead, but so good at football. And he just left secondary school, so they've just left Chilwell. And he's got a little four or five, four or five mates. I've got the Yemeni community, so I, I touched on Wild, Hilal, Amin. I've got my mates that I go to town with. I've got my mates that I go to school with. I've got my mates that are singers. I've got my mates that are like so just ah, got like got a little fame here. The mates who I go to town with were like African lads who had come here from different places. So a lad called Danny B. He's from Congo, but he'd come to here from France. His dad used to play in golf for Feyenoord. His dad is the Congo international goalkeeping coach. So I'll get back to that in a minute, but can you imagine like, my first game in the West Cheshire? Danny B's dad's my goalie. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just mad. 
we lost him because that year the African Cup of Nations was on and he had to go. So like, <laughs> I don't want to lose players to the African Cup of Nations here. Um, but yeah, so what I was doing was this cup game that we had, by this point now, I've got a full 11 players. Strikers are gold dusting. When I was a kid, I used to play for Kingsley. Like I said, remember I was touching on them 24 goals. Well, the year above me and the year below me, them strikers were scoring 56 goals. And one of them was called Eric Yaji. He was a year older than me. A Nigerian lad But I think what it is With the African lads Either they come here And the, the birthday's not right And they're playing Four years Younger than what they actually are Or They just built difference Because when the kids lad They're too powerful For everyone yeah, else thanks, yeah. And and so I just took a hit I knew where Eric Yaji lived I knocked on his door He hadn't played football For about three years I was like Eric lad, I've got this team We've got a game I need a striker Can you come and play He's like I've got no boots Went to town Spent 60 quid On a pair of flipping Yellow boots lad Came back Gave <laughs> that, that sold it for him He's like wow, You've just bought me boots lad You must come and play He was the worst player I've ever managed to be like It was like Them four years Caught up to him But it was It is what it is Like back in the day When we were kids mate He was scoring 60-70 goals a season But obviously We've got a bit older now He's gone a bit top heavy And it just went that I've only ever had one red card in my life. I brought myself on in that cup game. We were losing 3-2 and I swore at the referee and he sent me off. So my first ever game as an official manager of a team, I brought myself on and I got sent off. What ended up happening after that was we got knocked out the cup and obviously I'm promising Noddy, we're going through, lad. We're going to win with this team. Swear we your players, lad. And we've lost 4-2. So it's like Noddy's gave me that call and been like, listen, I think the lads just want the team back kind of thing, you know. Like, I appreciate and respect what you've done in that, but, like, really, this team's been made for me and my mates and you've just kind of come in and suck over. Kind of. <laughs> Which is fair enough, I understand. I was just trying to, like... Live this dream that I want to be a manager. So back to Kadeem's house, Nadia's house, the drawing board, and it was Kadeem. Kadeem's the inspiration to like it all kicking off. Kadeem's gone, Imad, hey, why don't you just make a team, lad? I've got five players here: me, Jay Fraser, Tyrone, Dale Gallagher, Tom Hackett. You've got the likes of Wild and all them. Then you've got all them new African lads like Danny B, and you've got lad. We we hit the jackpots because you know the African lads. There was Danny B and the lad called Danny Adoye. So we used to call them Danny A and Danny B. Yeah, Danny A. From Nigeria, his, da- his, his mum's from his mum's his dad's from Nigeria and his mum's from Poland. Can't get him, can't get him more stronger mixed than that lad. Um, he's got a sister. His sister married the guy from France, and the guy from France came down here and brought his brother with him. Yeah, his brother was twenty four at the time and played centre half for FC Nantes. Yeah, yeah. how am I landing on my feet like the first time I ever met Lucas? His name was Lucas. We were in. Um, he came out with Danny B in that And we went to Sefton Park We were just in Sefton Park and he, You know a twig on the floor Have you ever seen where someone does kick-ups with the ball And then catches it on the neck And then flicks it up and he done it with a twig Me and my mates are looking at each other Like Whoa We've smashed it here lad Just playing it So it was like unbelievable We started We were going to call ourselves Carnatic Because that's kind of where I lived I had everything set up lad I was going to I was going I used to wear a oh, lad, it's so I used to wear a suit to the meetings and that. Do you what know that what I mean? pimp suit was it? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> this is a new, freshly trimmed one. Um, so once I got all these, like, yeah, you can make a team. I've got the players. We're having little friendlies against teams from the CMS League, whacking them six and seven nils. I'm like, I've got a superstar team here. I'm very, very, very adamant on the fact that you have to have two players for each position. And each position has to be... So my full-backs, I need a, a right-back that defends. Let's call him Branislav Ivanovic. 
and then I need the right back that's like Dani Alves. I need the same on the left side. I need five centre midfielders. One of them has to be a ball playing centre midfielder. One of them has to be box to box. One of them has to be a playmaker. Just like that, I know you're probably thinking that as I think it's from Trap Manager and LMA Manager. Like you know, back in the day when people go to blockbusters and rent games, I used to rent LMA Manager. They used to go to me like just buy the game. I used to just love yeah, the managing side of things. So. I think that's what happens, you know, I just played chat manager that much, I just end up bringing it to real life, you know, if someone asks me to play footy manager and I can't play because it's just not real, I can't phone the players at four o'clock in the morning and go, lad, are you there tomorrow <laughs> or what? Um, so yeah, we got to we got to the point where now I've formed this team, the squad spirit's amazing, everyone loves each other, I can't explain, like it, it feels like we're ready. Got the, I've got me mate to organise, to, to, to design us a kit. We got a white night kit with black shorts. Everything was just prestige, lad. Everything I had, I had everything. The only thing I didn't have was a striker, but I'll get back to that in a second. Um, so we got everything set up. Phone Gary Berwick, who at the time was the person who was in charge of, I think he was orchestrating the fixtures. So he knows you're playing at home on this pitch so they can't play away or something along those lines. And he was like, hey, Matt, we need to do the fixtures and you haven't, declared a pitch and I'd tried loads of pitches Stanley Park started, tried all these the, the usual ones and everyone was like nah it's too late it's too late so Gary Berwick recommended that I speak to um, Iron Marsh he was like there's a fella at Iron Marsh called Steve Grace ping got got this ping in me head like, Steve Grace where do I know that name from oh yeah back in the day my mum took me to Steve Grace so I phoned Steve Grace like 12-15 years later hey Steve it's him, I don't know if you remember me. I do remember you, him, Like, oh, great. Yeah, couldn't forget yeah. you. You're little nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, um, I was like, basically what it is, Steve, um, I've formed a team and we haven't got a pitch and I've been advised to give you a call to see if you can use your pitch um, simultaneously when you're playing away. We use your pitch. And he's like, sorry about that, him, we can't do that. So I was like, oh, fuck it. What am I going to do here? I've got all the lads here thinking we've got a team and we're ready to go for the for the lot. Do you know what I mean? And we haven't even got a pitch to play games on. So I'm nearly about to phone everyone and go, look, boys, I'm sorry, but I've I've not been able to secure a pitch kind of thing. Steve Grace phones me two days later. Hey, Matt, we've got an idea. Our reserve team hasn't got a manager and, and, and a lot of the lads are from uni and they've all gone back. Do you want to take that spot? So swerve Carnatic and just come and be Marshall's reserves. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's good or not. For me, phone Gary Berwick back up. Gary Berwick's like, look, mate, you've got two options. You can either go and do that, or you're not doing anything, are you, at the end of the day? But but what I would say to you, mate, is be careful, because what usually happens here is marshals will ask you. Yeah, and then take all your players. And then take all your players. And so, lad, this is where it starts getting funny, lad. So, I, at this time, who's the best manager around? Jose Mourinho. Like, this, this time when I'm like... And I was fascinated by Mourinho. I, I just loved everything about it. Like, I loved... I thought about the Mourinho persona before Mourinho came out. I'm not saying Mourinho's Mourinho, but, you know, like, if I was a manager, that's exactly how I'd... Like, I know that he's a tit to the crowd and to the media, but his players would run through a oh, brick yeah. wall for him. You can just see it in, in, in how they are now. And I loved that he was young and used to wear a suit and stuff like that. And... Oh, lad, you're gonna laugh your head off at me, you know, lad. I used to wear, I used to wear a suit wherever I went. With my, if it had something to do with Marshalls, I had this black shiny suit, and I got the Marshalls badge embroidered in me, in me thing there. Nice. So, if you can imagine, though, lad, a lot of my lads, the South End lads, like, hey, mad, what are you doing, lad? Get the fucking 
suit off, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Get the like, suit off. Like, can't be wearing a suit to the games, bro. And I'm like, nah, I'm wearing it. Do you know what I mean? But it got to the point where I, so I'd get to the games early. I'm skipping bits, but we'll get to that. So let me explain this, Marshalls, a bit. So it's got to the point now. Marshalls are like, yeah, we love you. I've kind of explained this to the boys. This is what we're going to have to do. Gary Bedick's told me you need to be careful of X, Y, Z. So what I've done in this very office that we're in now, I got my dad and I got Stan, who I touched on earlier, um, who was taking me to Iron Marsh. He works here too. And um, I, I invited the chairman, the secretary and the and the chairman, the chairman, the secretary and the manager, Steve Grace, Ken Wagner, Liam Devney, to this office. I had a suit on. Stan and my dad are sitting there like, I've just said, just be in there and just make sure I'm safe. They didn't even know what was going on. We're doing a contract. So these are like, what's up with this kid? He doesn't <laughs> think he is. <laughs> I've wrote a full out contract. And look, there's rules on the contract. By no stretch of the imagination can you touch any of my players. I don't care if he's a last. I don't care if he's a dick. None of my players get... I've built this squad and we're staying together till the end. You can't take none of my players. You can't wear me kit. Just like... Just... Not you can't wear my kit. Marshall's colours are green. And so they wanted us to wear green. But we just invested in kit. We're wearing white. We're not wearing green. For them, they they were sitting in that room like, lad, get this over with this kid. They didn't know the team that I had. They probably just seen some kid come. Got a team. He'll just fill a couple of good matches for us and go... They don't know that I've got this most superstar team that you could have got. Do you know what I mean? I just didn't have a striker. Um, so they signed the contract and I remember them going away thinking, you're quite handbags, aren't you, Imad? And I was going, we'll see. You've got a match. We've set you up a friendly. So your friendly's on Thursday. Your first league game's on Saturday. Your, fa- your friendly is against Old Holtz. Old Holtz just won the CMS, which is, I don't know if it's still going now, the CMS, but it was it was like a, the, the bottom of the battle league. But Old Holtz... Won it and they were a decent outfit. My lads are all enthusiastic. They're ready. Like, if I say to them now, boys, we've got a match, they'll all be there. Do you know what I mean? Everyone just wait and see what happens with this project. Marshals have never seen my team ever. They just, from what I'm saying, I don't have a striker. When when they came to have that meeting with me, they gave me signing on forms, which I then had to drive around and give to all my players to sign. So I'd done all that in my suit, driving around to all the players, signing this. They're all like, go ahead, lad. I didn't have a striker and there was one striker that I could get and he'd just come out of pen. His name's Andrew Inabia. Yeah. You might have played against him when you when you played against Kingsley. Um but pretty much when I was going through that ad hoc period of football where I'd just go and have a game here, a game there, there was a period where I went and had a little game for Kingsley United men's team. And it was because in Ab Andrew was in drug. But when Andrew come out of drug, I knew I was on the bench. Andrew's played definitely. Andrew's at Bolton. Andrew scores goals. Andrew's a powerhouse. He's, he's both footed. He's, he's not the best one on one, but you can't complain because one, he'll do you in, and two, he gets himself to them positions anyway. Yeah. And I knew where he lived. I knocked on his door in my suit, lad. <laughs> so, lad, I can't explain. I wish someone knocked on my door in the suit. Lad, I knocked on the door. His mum answered the door. Yeah. He's just got, he's on time. Probably told you probation. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. She was like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, yeah. Is Andrew there, please? Andrew's come down, ripped, shredded. He's got a six pack on his back, lad. I swear to God. Like looking at me, I'm like, I'm terrified, lad, because I've heard that he's a mad one. Hi, Andrew. Basically, I've got this folder in my hand where everyone signed on and I've got like, sh- um, I've got this team, right? Blah, blah, blah. I told him, and he just asked two questions. He went, is Wild playing? Wild was me centre mid, DM, and he kid, like, 
Ja, Jens. And is the games on I Marsh? Ja, Jens. Abi det. Der er sikkert jumpet i kald. Singen all the way over. I've just signed Andrew Ridley via phone and everyone. So the next day, we had this friendly against Old Holtz. They don't know what they're expecting. Not not Old Holtz, Marshalls. All the Marshalls, hierarchy at all day watching. They've set us up on like the second pitch, not the boss pitch, just the second pitch. All our team are in. First time they're wearing the brand new kits, everyone's gassed. We've got 22 players, that's my motto. 22 players, two players for each position. And like I said to you, my thing is, I'm so good at keeping everyone happy. I promise you. A, a lad phoned me the other day, Tom Haynes. He goes, Imad, you're the best at making me feel that substitute is a position. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you made me feel like I was playing the substitute role. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, so we play old Holt and... Obviously, I speak Arabic. My brother at the time was coming with me to every game. Bro, I cannot explain to you. I don't know if these boys thought that they were playing for their life. You know, like the way... Bro, it was like... I never teach them tactical stuff. I just put a team together. Boys, come on, we're the best. We're going to win these. No one's better than you, no. Do you know what I mean? Bro, they were playing... And, and the other thing is, they don't really all know each other. I've just kind of put them together. They know of each other, but playing styles and, you know... Harm, that. all that stuff, bro. I can't believe what there was a big bang, Bob. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to my brother lad in Arabic because I don't want stealing that to he- I'm making out to steal like we do this every day, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm like, that's my brother lad. Why are they playing like Barcelona today, man? <laughs> After that game, they called another meeting, stealing that. <laughs> Yo, we need a new meeting, <laughs> right? Rip that contract, yeah, rip that one up. <laughs> so he was like. Okay, now we see why you didn't want us to take any of your players. But let me just give you a bit of advice. So he was like, what it is, Imad? Predominantly your team's black. And you're playing in the West Cheshire. And I'll be honest with you, you're going to have... It's either going to work good or bad for you. You're going to have you're going to go to games and people are going to be afraid of you. And so they'll cave in before the game started. Or... They're going to want to give it to you, yeah. Yeah. But I never crossed my... Like, I don't think about yeah. that. Just this game of footy, lad. It's like, let's just come play. But obviously, when you go and then to these areas, like, can you imagine, lad, we're playing in the West Cheshire League? We're, we're arriving with ghetto blasters. Lads smoking weed. Uh, the mums who were coming to watch us were ghetto. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And we're going to, like, Capenhurst Villa. And, you know, like, Albert is just getting... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like... And then we, we go there. We batter them with disrespect. Like, we're not, like... We're horrible. And I, and I know that we are. I can't stop that side of us. Like, I'm good at making everyone pumped for the game. But the discipline side, I wasn't good at. I, I hold my hands up. I couldn't stop them getting yellow cards and red cards. And they were hot-headed players. And I think they had this belief that no one can beat us. And if we are getting beat, the game's not finishing. <laughs> kind of thing. It wasn't to that extent. But, like, we did get beat in games. But we had such a successful first year. And, um... The meeting basically with Steve Grace was, I stayed solid on looking, not having none of my players. I've worked too hard to get this together. And I think he half thought, like, you're not going to keep this team together. But the first, so the first half of the season was mixed in a sense of, I was still coming to terms with, like, an away game, travelling to Chester and making sure everyone's, just once I got to terms with how it is, I've never managed the team before. Like, it's not like chat manager where you just click a button and you're playing right wing. And now I've got to deal with why he's angry that he's not playing right wing and, I've paid there's other elements and it probably took me a good two, three months to get used to that. But in the sense, at the same time, we were still sticking with the results. So we were still getting 2-0 victories, still winning here, still winning games that were key. The first game of the of that league was against a team called Upton AA. Yeah. 
And I basically played, like I said to you, the 22-man squad. I played the best 11 against Upton AA and we won 2-1 by the skin of our teeth. Danny B's dad made a blind save at the end to keep the score 2-1. The next game was a midweek game and it was against a team called Redgate Rovers. Yeah. Redgate, so what I'd done in that game, I, I knew that I'd made a new team and our first two games were home. The Upton game, I didn't invite anyone because I knew that we beat Upton. I invited everyone to the Redgate game. Everyone, everyone's auntie, uncle, come and watch the new team in the area. And I played the second string and we got beat 6-1 in front of everyone. I had my suit on in that, lad. Could you imagine how I was that? <laughs> Do you want to know what I've done in the Upton game, lad? This is, how, this is how naive I am. In the Upton game, I had my suit on and I'd heard Mourinho talking about how he used to bring a bottle of wine and have it with the manager after the game. So I thought that that's what you had to do. So lad, after the game, I'm in the change rooms. I can't wait to come with this bottle of wine that I've just spent the one. Because me and this manager now are going to sit down. He's going to have a little bit. I'm going to talk. That's what they do in normal football. I thought everything was like real football. I'm still naive a little bit to it. The manager's come out with his back. He's like, all right, mate. Great game. Good luck for the season. He's gone. Stop with a bottle of wine. Yeah. Finstall's up. Do you want that, lad? <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know he's done that yet, but... Just like a little thing, like I thought it was real. Like you couldn't tell me that it weren't real. And like I said to you, with the suit and stuff like that, you know, by the time we got to the middle of the season, you know, if I didn't put my suit on, the lads were like, lad, put your suit on, bro. Like it, it became part of the yeah. of the of the whole thing. Um but yeah, we ended up competing. Got to the middle part of the season now. We're in all cups. We're, we're in the semi-finals of two cups. Uh, sorry. We're going, we're going for, I can't remember if we're exactly in the semi-finals, but I know that we got to, we got quite far in the Cups. And we were, we were third in the league, but we could still hit top. Redgate were top and Gattaca was second. We were third. But, but, but we were just coming into our stride and then they called a meeting. The hierarchy at Marshalls called a meeting again. And now we're in the middle of the season and what's happening is in Division 2, Marshalls' first team are really struggling. And they're looking at my league position and they're thinking... You're not going to win the league. You're nine points off the top. You might have a game in hand, but Redgate aren't going to drop no points. And we need to stay in Division 2. So you need to give us your players. But I still stayed adamant. No, we're not doing it. Not giving you no players. And I explained to them, we're going for the league. If we win this game, I've already got it all mathematically figured out. I know where we've got to get the points from. I know who's got to drop points. They, they are keeper. Figured it all out. Stayed adamant. And we ended up going on a sick run. We played South Liverpool in the in what was called the West Cheshire Cup um, in the semi-finals. We played South Liverpool, beating them 1-0 with, with like literally a minute to go. <laughs> they scored the equaliser with a minute to go and then they brought on a lad who plays for Somalia. His name's Sharif. Absolutely the rapidest thing I've ever seen. Got no technique or anything like that. Sorry if you're listening, lad. But he, um, he just... Like, I think in extra time, our lads were just on their ass and he was just getting in behind. They ended up beating us 3-1, so we got knocked out of that cup. We played in the Intermediate Cup. It was our first season. Played a team called Kirby Town Railway, who were smashing it in the league that they were in. So it's like, when you're playing a team from another cup, you're half trying to gauge, are they good? Or you can tell if the team's good in your league because you know they've beaten that. But I can't tell if Kirby Town Railway are good because the top of their league, seven games, seven wins. I don't know if the league's good or not good yeah. kind of thing. And I'd do stuff like I'd, I'd phone the managers before every game and try and have a conversation with them, try and see what I could figure out about them. I phoned the Cape Town Railway manager up and he was just different to all the managers that I'd ever done. He went, are you phoning me trying to get a little idea of, because you're not getting nothing out of me, mate. <laughs> 
so anyway, play Kirby Town Railway, Wally Old Park, proper massive day for me. Obviously, my first ever final as a manager and that. Got this team together. It's all me mates. It's like it's, it's everything I could have ever dreamed of. It was all coming into plan. Bear in mind that my plan was to take Marshalls to the Prem. And, and I fully believed I was going to do it, by the way. Like, I'll do it this year. By seven years, Marshalls are going to be in the Prem. And, and I'll be the guy. Like, like Salford City. I really believed I was going to do it. And then obviously we've won the first. So, so we've got to the final. Winning 1-0 in the final. Kadeem, me, me, he's my star boy. Like, he can do no wrong in my eyes, but he's a hothead. And, um, you know, they ask you for a match report. You know, like, can you give us a programme before the game? Yeah. And in the programme, I wrote, Kadeem Mecky, you can eat, like, I wrote something about him which showed that if you get on him, you get a red card. <laughs> like, just before give that. Give us yeah, Just before half-time, some kid pushed him in the head, butted the kid and got sent off. So we've gone in at half-time, 1-0 up. Ended up 2-1 with one minute to go or something. I brought some lad on called Tom Hackett, my favourite, like... One of the one of the youngest players at that time. He's got the equaliser. Gone into the extra time. Another one of my players has got sent off. I'm trying to explain to you like that's what my team was like, but we still fought. They scored two in extra time, four two. But me we mate Amin, who were touched on the Yemeni player, scored from the half. It was like an amazing game. We got B four three. So I've lost the semi finals to South, I've lost in the finals to Cape Town Railway, and all I've got now is this league title. And it's going down to the wire. Us and Redgate are pushing. It all came up to a game against Elmsmere Port. Yeah, Elmsmere Port. Yeah. If we win, we win the league. Now, before the game against Elmsmere Port, we had our last home game and we had to win that to stay within the, the title race. It was a midweek game. At, at the back end of the season, you have quite a lot of midweek games. Now, Lucas, at this point, what you have to remember is, is I'm 23 and I'm working for my mum and dad, but my job is Marshall's manager. You can't tell me no dear. I'm the marshals manager. Like my dad said to me, you gotta do a shift. I'd leave the job. I'm working for I'm the manager of the marshals. Kind of like my house was the player's house. And and we had other houses where we'd all just chill. And Lucas, the lad who came from France who used to play for FC Nantes, obviously he's come here with really nothing. And so a lot of the players would all so, some of them were younger than me and some of them were much older than me. But Lucas was like around my generation and he was one of the top players. Me and him just Built a bond like we were very very close. Unfortunately, and I don't know if it's probably not right. I, I don't know if I'm touching on the right thing, but I think Lucas during the during the first season there was a time where Lucas had to go to France. I think his father passed away, so he went to France. When he came back from France, he weren't the same person. I think I think he'd found God. If I'm being totally honest, like he came back and born again Christian, and and all the things that me and him were getting up to now in his eyes were a sin. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was like kind of hard to now manage my friendship with someone who like me and him were going out and getting beards and doing this and doing that. And now he's like, no, everything's bad. And he was going a bit like, um, I don't want to use a word that's like, I don't want to use something like deranged because it's unfair of me to say that. But he wasn't acting how we'd known Lucas for the last year. He's, he totally changed. Um, slowly, slowly losing his mind. But but not not to the not not you know when you just find God and you've lived your life this whole way and then all of a sudden someone's explained to you about God and this is what happens and it was a bit of a big thing for him. It's a drastic change. Yeah. You know? And he's come back here and he wants to Im implement it on everyone. Oh my God, we're all going to hell! And like he had one of these kind of breakdowns as he was finding himself playing Cape Nace uh, Villa, second to last game of the season. If we win, we're still in the title race. All we've got to do now is go to Elmsley Port and we've won the league. Um, Lucas didn't have a mobile phone. 
But the day before, he'd said to me, look, man, I'm working. And when I finish, at, I'm going to finish at this time. I'll be at the pitch for this time. Don't worry. Make sure I'm in the starting lineup, which is news to music to my ears. I want him to start, but it's in the West Cheshire. You have to hand in 15 minutes, the team sheet. Yeah, yeah. So I'm half like, where is he, lad? I can't. It's, we've got to win this game. I can't take the risk. I'm looking in the changing rooms through the window and I can see me mate Jay Fraser, one of the players, has got a top on. And in the West Cheshire as well, the starting 11 has to play. Be the number, 1 yeah. to 11. So Jay Fraser's just put number 16 on. He knows he's on the bench. It's getting the referee. Can I have your team sheet? So I've just looked at Jay Fraser. Jay, throw number 8 on, lad. Just, yes, lad, do I start? Yeah, lad, just throw it on. Gave the team. Lad, Lucas walks in. As I've just gave the team sheet to the referee. And then Lucas has seen that Jay Fraser's wearing number 8, which is, would have been Lucas's number. He's gone. Yo, Imad. I'm, I'm putting his accents on here. See? Imad. Why, wife? Why, Jay? Why, why, Jay Fraser? Have my shit, Lucas lad. I didn't know if you were gonna make it on time, bro, and I couldn't take the risk. Lad, he just went absolutely berserk. Yeah, smashed the whole changing rooms complex up, smashed the door up. This is five minutes before kickoff. The referee is standing there watching him doing all this. Yeah, my head's absolutely fell off. Like this, is my best mate now, absolutely destroying Iron Marsh. And he's not like, he's not, he's the least hot-headed person I know. He's just absolutely gone nuts. And it's like, whoa. Bear in mind now, I'm having a bit of a tug of war with Iron Marsh because not only is there a lot of disciplinary reasons like fines and stuff like that, but they want my players to go and rescue them from Division 2. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not allowing it. So, and they know that once we win this division, there's going to have to be a conversation about... Yeah, both in the same... Yeah, are we the first team now? What, what's what's happening? So for them, they needed any reason to get rid of us at that point, if you know what I mean. I could already sense it, but I don't want to let me team... Make, I don't want my players to know that I'm having beef with the hierarchy kind of thing. Just keep going. Everything's amazing. We're going to be in Division 2 next year. Woohoo! But really, I know. I've got to have a whole other discussion about us going to Division 2 next year. This is prior to Lucas smashing up the changing rooms. So Lucas smashing up the changing room kind of gives them the license they need to say to me we're not doing this no more kind of thing smashes the door up Lucas doesn't play in the um, in the Cape and Ears, the referee sends it so the Cape and Ears Villa game kind of went to pot we end up winning 4-3 but I got sent off two new players on the pitch got sent off Lucas wasn't allowed to play and, and I know that the way I'm talking now makes it sound like I had a proper crazy gang of lads but the, the games that you remember are the ones that have this drama and I don't remember the four nils where we just went showed up smashed the team and went home but I remember the time we had our backs against the wall and we had two players sent off and we needed the three points and we managed to hold on kind of stuff from that game we went and played down to port like I said we went to Elmsley Port we end up we end up winning the league at Elmsley Port but Steve Grace kind of said to me listen Iron Marsh is saying that they're not going to have views on the campus which I knew was bullshit it was just like the, what he needed so when he's told me that we're not going to be marshals, funnily enough, do you remember the team McGinty's? Yeah. So McGinty's now, in the two years that I've left marshals and gone, left McGinty's and formed my own team kind of thing, McGinty's have left the Baconhead League and are now turned into Kingsley United men, I think, or they might still be called McGinty's, but they're in the, the Liverpool Prem and they've won back-to-back leagues. And they're probably going to win the Prem if they stay together. Like, they were very good. They were winning Cups from Division 1, I think it was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but they were, they, were, they, were, they were like they were just a dominant force. I could always hear, like, 
we were a team from the area and they were a team from the area, but I always felt like we were the Everton and they were the Liverpool and we just like, we just wanted to get about our business in the West Cheshire League and they're over here like dominating this footy year. Um, so the year we won Division 3 of the West Cheshire was the same year Kingsley slash McGinty's were getting promoted to the Prem of the Liverpool County yeah. Prem. Now, this coincided with Bowen. I don't know if you know Bowen, but Bowen got picked up for Accrington Stanley yeah. playing for Pineapple, believe it or not. Which was amazing for us because, like, one of our mates is about to go and play pro, couldn't believe it. Um, but I think, like with, with Smithdown back in the day, when one or two players leave, it kind of capitulates a little bit. And that's what happened with McGinty's slash Kingsley. So what happened was Earl approached me and he was like, hey, man, Marshalls are kicking you out. Why don't you just bring your fame? I'll come and do Kingsley in the... Pr-. So I'm like, okay, so this is mad, this. I'm going to be the manager of Kingsley United with my team. Okay. So I have a meeting with the whole team in Earl. A lot of these players that are in this meeting have played for Earl at one point or another. Like, I remember, I used to have a present... I'd done a presentation to show, like, this is what we've done so far. This is where we're going. This is the history. Kingsley United, is everybody ready to compete? There were some players in the in the in the, in the meeting like I'm going home, you know, like the the, the signing, the re-signing for the club. That it was funny. Lad, look at this for the first three games. First three games in the West Cheshire, yeah. By a bear in mind, it's in two. We had the meeting on this day, two days. We're playing our first game, Waterloo Dock. Second game, APH. Third game, West Everton Zavs. After they've just won the league, do you get me? So we're back in the Liverpool Premier League, yeah. So I'm like. I'm I'm obviously scared and, and I'm obviously like there's a lot riding on it because the team that have just been Kingsley I've always probably considered us as like the minnows like as if they're going to go up and compete and I've just got this group of lads that I've had for three years the majority of them are kids some of them are mates blah 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 I've probably I haven't got Lucas no more because he just kicked the flipping door in funnily enough Marshall said to me we can't have none of yous in and obviously Lucas didn't sign for me the next year because Obviously, he's kicked the door in. I don't know if I can have him again. He signed for Marshalls. <laughs> so, he played so he, was for, yeah. he was allowed to He play. was the only one who was allowed to go and he was the one who kicked the door in. But <laughs> it is what it is. Lucas is still a very, very good mate of mine now. Like, it's not a grudge or anything that I hold. I, I, I'm very, I very rarely hold grudges. Like, I understand that in the heat of the moment, things can happen, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I know that he's a he's got a good heart and he's a good person deep down. But anyway... We went to Kingsley, and I, I, I'll just touch on this dead quick. Our first three games, like I said, Waterloo Dock, APH, West Everton Zavs. I've heard about Waterloo Dock for a long time. I believe that they're the best team. That like everyone's on about Waterloo Dock, Waterloo Dock, and I'm just, I don't even call us Kingsley at this moment. I'm still Marshalls. So we've been um, playing Waterloo Dock, and my team talked to the boys. Was look, boys, if we go five, if we go two nil down, early doors. All I need from you is, yeah, is just to just show heart. Like, I don't want you to throw the towel in. Like, I don't care if it's 5 nil. Just as long as nobody looks and goes, they don't care. Do you know what I mean? That first 10 minutes of the game with 2-0 down. <laughs> Do you get me? And I'm like, oh, it's happening. Like, this thing that, funnily enough, like, just before half time, we made the 2-2. So, I'm like, wow, we can compete with Waterloo Dock. I had a lad on the bench called Rabbi, yeah, and he was getting terrorised by their team. You know, like, he's he's giving it as much, like, he's like, ah, shut up, lad. And he's like, you're on the bench, lad. Shut, you know, like, one of those. So I've brought Rabi on with, like, five minutes to go. And he scores a goal, back post, lad. Like, a proper tapping. 
He used to do the Mitru celebration. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ran around the post, all the boys have ran to the corner to celebrate with him. We're like, wow, we're going to beat Waterloo, Dock lad, 3-2, we can't believe it, lad. I've just had a picture with, what's the manager's name? Jimmy. I've just had a picture with Jimmy, like, I'm I'm proud he of it. He had a towel around his neck and he had a suit on. Yeah, seriously, lad, like, <laughs> this is a big moment for me. Lad, from kickoff, they went and scored the equaliser, yeah. It does. It gets worse, bro. This is... Oh, I shit you not, bro. There's about two minutes left. They've scored the equaliser with two minutes to go, and that's where you know the difference between good teams. Like they, it's like it's like in real footy now, lads. City go go down. You know they're coming back, and that's what it was like with these. Like, those two minutes to go. How how just, just see it out. We've won three two. It's the biggest victory that I'll ever have in my life. They went and scored the equaliser. It doesn't end there. With one minute to go, we got a pen. <laughs> we got a pen. Yeah, and I'm looking on the pitch and. No one's a penalty taker, except for one lad, Jay Fraser. Like, yeah, you, Jay Fraser, you take it. The same kid who I, I told to start him instead of Lucas. Last kick of the game, lad, and the keeper saved the pin. Now, my team are absolutely disheartened, lad. They've walked into the change room. I've come in absolutely, like, I can't explain how happy I am. I don't care that we've just missed the pen. I'm just made up. We didn't get beat 5-0 by this team. Like, 3-3, three, three, we can compete. I am happy with that. The lads in the change room, like, lad, how can you be a... Bro, just as long as I know that we're not coming to this league as a team that are going to get whacked. Everyone's been telling yeah, me. won't just get slapped. Next game, APH. Uh, now, like, I don't know what it is, lad, but you know when I hear about players and things like Jared Smith, like JK, like all these players, like, I want to know. I want to, I'm so intrigued. And in the line that I was in management at the point, at this time, Maka was the boy. So Maka was winning things with APH and like, I don't know why I was fascinated by Maka. So I'd done the same thing. I always phone every manager before the game just to like get a little feel. Do you know what I mean? But Maka's obviously from, from down my ways, but he doesn't know me. Like I know of him, but he doesn't know me. So I'm like on the phone to him and that. And I, what I don't realise is APH are like, they're on, the 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 how can I put it? They're on, they're on the rise. They're, they're looking to win the whole thing this year. So I'm phoning them like, hey, you mate, your name's him. I've just took the Kingsley United job. We're going to play it. I'm looking forward to playing it. All right, lad. You okay? <laughs> like, what do you want, lad? <laughs> Jeremy, like, I, I'm thinking this is going to be like a proper a moment for me. And he just played it down. They beat us 3-1. But it was another result where I was like, we had 6-0. Do you know what I mean? And then we played West Everton's Avs as our third game. And they were the reigning champions. And yeah, we beat some team, them, the Wex, We beat them five one. I wasn't even playing my strong team. And I think what it was the next year they they won the league, but then yeah, they, they, were, they yeah. were dwindling a bit, yeah. But at the time I just thought this is a big scalp this, we've just beat West Everton's abs. And then it just went downhill and downhill and downhill. I think my team we used to the luxuries of arriving at Iron Marsh, lovely, like the league was a bit different. One to eleven, everything was so nice and neat. The pitch was, but and then we've come to this and we're playing lads who were like rattling you and you know, like in the West Cheshire, we were getting up, going shut up, you mumpy, and then okay, like you shut up, you mumpy, here, like what lad, let's have it. It was like just I think my team weren't ready for that level. We were ready on the one-off match, like, let's all go, we're going to win this game, but to keep yeah. it consistent over the duration of a season. God bless Ill, like, Ill, Ill really, like, Ill's Kingsley through and through, and I think he had the best intentions, but I also think he doesn't understand men's football, like, he's, he does kids' football, and he's he's, he's, a, he's he's the best for it, if I'm being honest, there's nobody I recommend higher than Ill when it comes to kids' footy, 
but in the men's game, it's slightly different and there's slightly more attention to detail that you need and we didn't have that. And so that season just faded out and I think there was three games left and the league, the league it was getting to the point where I was showing up to games with like the bare minimum of players. My team completely capitulated. I, and I don't put it down to the players, I put it down to me because I kind of started to not enjoy it. Like every time it was game day, like I, I went from preparing the game preparing the team on Mondays for the game on Saturday to literally preparing the game Friday. Hey, can you play tomorrow? Can you play tomorrow? Yeah, Soon, there's no term in it now. I, I ate, I, it was it was just a, like a proper, it crushed me to be honest with you because like I've gone from thinking I'm getting marshals to the Prem to I'm about to, I'm about to leave off mutual consent with Kingsley United. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So yeah, um, the Kingsley United stint, as that was coming to an end, I was also, pl- so Kingsley were on a Saturday and I signed for a team called Wavertree Botanic on a Sunday. Yep. So Wavertree Botanic was my mate's team, went and played for them. In the Sunday, what what what, what we're in now, uh, the Sunday Prem. Yeah, yeah, the Pill Sunday Prem. Yeah, the Sunday Prem, but we were in the bottom division, started new. So first, first season, we got promoted and I've stopped managing now. Second season, in the second division, if you win this, you get promoted to the top league. And it come down to the last game of the season. We needed the point. About five minutes to go, we're losing 1-0. Corner comes in. I don't ever score headers, lad. Don't know how. Just hit me on the head and went in, lad. And we won the league. Like, I can't believe I've scored the goal that won us the league. Like, I still hold that at high. Yeah. Um, also, in that period, this is one of my biggest achievements. And, and I, I promise you... Used to play for him, um, so like I said to you, when I was in and out of going to club, like going to teams, and I, there was another team that used to play in the CMS called Botanic, not Wavertree Botanic. That was the team that I actually played for, but there was a team called Botanic FC. Not the best team at all. In fact, very poor. Like I used to go there because one of my mates played for them, and I, 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 I always wanted to impress him, kind of thing. So if he said there was a game of footy, I'd go and play for them, and it would the standard. My standard compared to their standard was it was not on the same level, and I went and played for them in a semi final and sorry in a quarter final which we won. But I got injured in that quarter final. The next I wasn't going to be fit enough to play in the semis, but I went to the semis and we were getting beat three 0 at half time. I'm not the manager or not. The manager's actually playing himself. The manager's one of those where all the players have been him. Do you know what I mean? But oh, he's starting himself up front again, lad. Do you know what I mean? On every corner, yeah. So getting beat three 0 just before half time, the, the manager picks a fight with their centre half and they both get sent off. Now, that's the best thing the manager ever done for that club because he was the worst player on the team and their centre half was the best player on their team. So it was like, so at half time, I don't know why I got this thing, but what did I have it? Hey, the lads, his name was Stephen Trump. Hey, Steve, do me a favour. At half time, distract Butcher and Gary Kane. They were the two, like, they ran the club. Distract them too. And I'm gonna grab everyone else in here. So Steve done his thing. They, the, the butcher's just been sent off. So butcher's half arguing with the referee. And Gary Kane's like talking to Steve. And I've grabbed the boys in. I'm like, listen, boys, we can do this. And lad, I'm gonna I could I could get emotional at this point now, lad. I'm being serious. There's a man, yeah. Oh, lad, he's about to um, sorry kid. Whew. Right. I've never ever seen somebody grow. 
without moving. So, um, like I said to you, the team were crap. Like the centre half's fifty, the the right wingers four foot three and doesn't play footy. Just mates. You know, all they're asked about is at the end of the game they're going for a bevy. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, lad. So what happens was at half time, I've got in the morning and they, they had the centre back called Phil. At towards the end of his career, lad, he's like forty five, lad. He, lad, the way he was playing in the game. When when I heard he was in the starting lineup. Leading up to just like, oh, fucking hell, Phil's in the start. Phil Roberts in the starting lineup. But, lad, in the first half, I could see that he was putting his heart on his sleeve for everything. Like, he he's playing against young strikers and he didn't care. He was proper. So, he's standing there. He's, he, imagine a semicircle and I'm in the middle of this semicircle. And I just pointed him first. I was like, you know, you, Phil, when I heard you were in the starting lineup on the way here, I absolutely shit myself. But you've absolutely. P- I can't remember the exact words, but I just told him that the way he played in that first half was unbelievable. But bro, he went from like he went from I know I know people can't see, but he went from his shoulders being slouched to like lad. He just like I don't think he'd ever been praised in his life. Just transferred throughout the whole team, lad. We ended up drawing three three, and we won on pens. Yeah. I'll never, like, the feeling in that changing room after that win, for them, it went, like, I've been in changing rooms where we've won games and the team's good and it was a well-hard-fought victory, but seeing them in that changes, having that moment of, like, wow, like, you couldn't you couldn't tell them they didn't just win the World Cup final. They still had the final to play and everything. They only just won on penalties in the CMS division 95 or so, do you know what I mean? It was the greatest yeah, thing. That's, the, that's what footage all about, mate. Winning, winning with your mates and, and for them. Little, that little moment, that moment with Phil. Yeah. Phil's not really somebody important in my life now. He's somebody that I probably see if I drive around the area and I'll let on to him. And, and I don't even know if he remembers that moment, but I, like, it gets me every time that I see a grown man just off words. Like, Turn Super Saiyan and go out in that second half and do better than he did in the fit. Like, it was crazy. So, they got Phil, they got Phil in the boys. Yeah, like, Phil, like, <laughs> Phil and the Botanic boys, like, but that was never, they were never my team. They were just a team, like, like I said, I'd, and, and they so happened to be in the semi finals. We went and played in the final and got beat, but so what? That semi finals was our final, do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. So, go on. So, I'm going to bring you back in on. So, pineapple then. The pineapple. Okay. So the funny with pineapple is, while I'm Kingsley United, okay, and Kingsley United are coming towards the end, so I've gone to Avery Vale. Pineapple have won the league the same year we won the league. I think it was two thousand. Yeah, two thousand and fifteen. We won Division One. They won the, the Prem. I get a phone call off a lad called Danny Connor. Yeah, I hear him out. I uh, he might have just got the job at Marshalls. First team. Steve Grace has stepped down. Now. Danny was a player who played for the first team when I was managing the reserves. With the first team players that were playing for the first team at that time, they knew we were better than them. Do you know what I mean? They were just lads that went to JMU Uni. And they knew the score, but they weren't about to say, yeah, you can come and take our place. Do you know what I mean? So um, Danny kind of phones me. Imad, Steve Grace has stepped down, realised that he's not doing a good job at the, at, at, at the Marshalls, and he's asked me to take over. I've got an injury, I can't play this season. And I'd like to bring you in as my assistant. And I am Marsh, first team. Like, <laughs> <Jeez, it cuts. laughs> <laughs> but you know what? 
let's see what happens. Like, I wouldn't mind going back to have that feeling. I'm winning Division 1. So I went and had a meeting with Danny Connor. And he was like, I've got these players here. And he had about 12 players. He went, we just need to add one or two. It's like, no, the only way I'm coming back is if you let me get back my whole team from last time. Now, it's been three years. Some of them players aren't really players no more. So I had to find, phone all the players that played. I maybe got recuperated 13 of them, 22. And just landed on my feet with the rest. Lad, you know, Andrew Inabir, who I was telling you about the striker. Yeah. He's got a brother called Nathan Inabir, who's better than Andrew. Yeah. I've never admitted that live, but he's better than <laughs> Nathan used to come and watch Andrew play for me, but he was too young. So now when I've made this new team, it's only right that when I've gone to get Andrew, your brother playing, by the way, has he left Liverpool or whoever it is that he's playing for? He's like, yeah. So uh, my strike partnership is Nathan Inabir and Andrew Inabir. Lad, Paolo one shop times two. Just imagine those two running at you. Um, so our first league game of the season, we call we call Nathan Chicken. So Chicken is the hardest person to get to footy. Like literally, you could be on the phone to him and go, I'm outside yours. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be five minutes. Lad. And he's not in his house. <laughs> Do you know like it's, he's the worst person for it. So prior to the games, I used to go and see him on a Friday to make sure where are you going to be? Where am I picking you up from? Who's got to get you? So he was on. He was watching a Friday night late game on Lower Breck's pitch. So I went to go and confirm, you're defo playing. As he's saying he's playing, he's standing there with a lad called Wade Maxwell. Wade Maxwell at the time was playing for Bradford City, but he was having a horrible time. Like He didn't like staying in the digs, so he'd leave and come back here. And he's like, I'll play. Dad, you're Wade Maxwell. He's like, you're going to play for me, lad. He's like, I haven't got a game this weekend. I've left Bradford. If you want to come and have a game for me, lad, you're more than welcome. Do you know what I mean? Comes to the first game, lad. Never seen nothing like Wade Maxwell before. I promise you, the passing. The, like, I don't know if I'm hyping this up too much, but the way he controlled and manipulated the ball, or like his chop, just his chop, like, and he's a big kid. He's not like, he's not like a, you know, and this is probably a bit of a, too, this is a bit of a mad comparison, but similar style to Kevin De Bruyne. The way, I'm not saying he is Kevin De Bruyne, but yeah, that's his nice. style. Yeah, yeah. Um, his passing range and he's only a baby bear in mind like my team and men now I'm 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 not 21 22 no more I'm 25 26 now and probably got a bit more pull with me mates and know a bit more now Wade's 18 he's the king of our changing room in our ch- we all know Wade's the boy I'm also waiting for Wade to go to another club but it just never happened stayed with me the whole season won us the league <laughs> Wade on his own so I've just got back to back and won division 3 and then We've won Division 2 two years later and got us. So now Marshalls are in the West Cheshire Prem. But after the second year, we went to the Prem. The same thing happened again. It capitulated. Maybe the standard was a bit too good. Maybe, um, I don't know. I think in the second, so in the first year back at Marshalls in Division 2, Danny Connor was very much my assistant. He brought me in as the assistant, but then obviously with the influx of my players, Danny Connor became my assistant. But on paper, it was always Danny Connor's the manager. When it got to the next year, Danny Connor probably was like, I'm not feeling this this role no more. I'm I'm looking to swerve it. And he didn't realise, but I I needed Danny Connor at that time. And so slowly, slowly, Marshalls started to capitulate again for the second time. But they've maintained their place in that. In, in, in the West Cheshire they're still there now off the back of us getting them promoted from Division 3 to Division 2 to Division 1 which is something I'm quite proud of like I always check on 
teams from the south, South Liverpool, Mosleyhill, Marshalls, Kings of the United Kids, um, Coffee House, Pan, like you check on all the teams. I'm going to check on Marshalls and I see that still in that division, I get a sense of like... Yeah, because yeah, you've con- contributed. Yeah, contributed, time, yeah. yeah. There's people who are at Marshalls now who won't know who I am. So say, for example, I'll go somewhere to a training set. I'll go to Head and Eccles for a game of footy just a casual game and I'll see someone who was at Marshalls at the time that I was at Marshalls and they'll obviously know that oh yeah you used to be at Marshalls you got us to this division but there'll be a player that doesn't know that you're playing in that division because my team yeah, smashed it for you okay <laughs> kind of thing I just wanted to get get that out there you know what I mean um, on the back end coming to Pineapple on the back end of the second capitulation of Marshalls instead of whereas last time I signed for Waverty Vale to kind of so I just yeah, what I was doing was I was I'd just go and watch Pineapple. I always felt like an outsider from Pineapple because I felt like I was the other team. I was the Everton today, like Liverpool, let's call it. I maybe didn't have the respect amongst their circle as a footballing person. But going to watch and stuff like that now, I think Kate Lopez obviously being the manager of them at the time, Kate Lopez respected that I managed the team. Maybe didn't understand how much I knew or how, how. Yeah, but but knew that you yeah that you had, basically that you had the, the balls to do it and and the skill to get teams together. Yeah, um. So what would happen was, I went to go and watch them play, and it was against Slayton McGivens team. If they if if Pineapple won, they lost the league. The other team lost yeah. the league. Oyster, so yeah, Oyster, that's it. And he, Dawson scored the overhead kick to make it four three or something like that. In the last kick of the game, and I fell in love with the pineapple from then. It's like the way every I went. If I'm being totally honest, I used to go and watch the pineapple, and there would be a little bit of envy in me. If you're not envy, I won't call it envy. It was a bit like I should be. Yeah, I want a piece of this. Yeah, I'd never show me like if if they scored the goal in there, I wasn't one of those. who was like, yes. I was like, when Dawson scored that overhead kick, couldn't help it. I was on the pitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was a crazy moment for me. And so from then, I just start getting to know Kate just a little bit more and just conversations. And I think through his love of footy and my love of footy, and it's very it's very rare that you come across somebody where ideas kind of coincide. We had the same beliefs over certain things, how you treat your superstar players compared to how you treat the lads who aren't so much your superstar. We used to, you know, like, you'd probably be a little bit shy to admit to somebody else that you give somebody more leeway than somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We went, we were like, look, we know what we've got to do for him. We know what we've got to do. Do you know what I mean? And it just worked like that. But this was coinciding as well with the time, time that Pineapple weren't having the best of times. They were starting to lose a couple of players. The, the golden generation that we had of that time was starting to like fade away. We were struggling to get teams and stuff like that. And I was getting minutes for Pineapple, lad, like playing week in, week out near enough um, when they couldn't get a team together. So yeah, that was me involved with Pineapple. But... Like I said, I didn't have nothing to do with footy now. Like, I wasn't affiliated to a team. I wasn't associated with anyone. All I had was just me and me, note, me notes. I, I take notes of everything. And so what was happening was my brother was having a... My brother plays footy, but he's not the best. Like, he knows how to kick a ball and stuff like that, but he, would, he doesn't go and play for the team or not. Like, I just plays casually casually with his mates. I, were, I weren't really doing much at the time. Didn't have no involvement in any football, like I said. And he just said, do you want to come and have a game of footy with me? So I went to go and play with them on Park Road in a game with lads who were a similar standard to me brother. And so I've gone there. Lad, half of them were smoking weed on the pitch while they were playing and that. Like, it was just a, a, a nothing game. 
So I've just had a game with them. Had fun because I was scoring. I was enjoying. It's 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 boss when you're the best player there kind of thing. Went back the next week. There was more people there. There was like Park Road's pitch is like a nine side pitch, but these were playing no light twenty five versus twenty seven. It just and and there was no structure to it. There was no bibs. You didn't know who was on who. You just got the ball, passed it to someone, or ran. And so it. What happened was we had a, one week we had a game, and my brother twisted his ankle. And everyone carried on playing, but obviously because it was my brother, I was concerned. And I'd gone over to go and check on my brother, but I was fuming that everyone else was carrying on playing with the game. And my brother's like half in bits, and I've carried them off the pitch. And he's like, go go back on and play, bro. Don't worry about me. So after that, after the game finished and that, I, w- I, was, I was a member of this group chat for this game of footy, but I'd never spoken in the group before. So I've been like, boys, we're not doing it like how we do I just took charge of the group and give a fuck. It's like, boys, we're not doing it. Like that. What's happening this week is I'm putting out a list, twenty-two names. If you don't put your name on the list, you're not playing. It's it's me versus Danny. I just picked one lad from the thing who was one of the top boys. It's me versus Danny. We'll pick the teams, and the winner is the reigning champion. And I just painted it like that. So, they, at first, like nobody was putting the name on the list. So I phoned a few. Hey lad, put your name on that list for me. But got to like seven, then people were like. Shh. Let me just put my name on this just in case it, it it counts for something. But I knew I've done this before. Like I'm making sure that this is going. That I'm going to bring bibs. I'm going to bring a ref. I'm going to make it proper professional for them. So now there's 22 people on the list. We've changed the venue to Jericho Lane because it's a bit bigger. Um, everyone's got wind of it, it being in Jericho Lane. The first 22 have come. I gave them all bibs. Use it in red. Use it in yellow. They've never had bibs before to a game of footy. All the other lads who usually come, come. But we, the lads who were on the 22-man list, stayed strong. Nah, this is a game. I've sold it like it's a proper FA Cup match. Like me versus Danny, the winner is the champion, blah, blah, blah. I'm a big fan of WWE, believe it or not. As a kid, I was anyway. And so I can cut a promo. I can I, I can make... I was basically acting like the Vince McMahon or the Conor McGregor in the group chat. Nobody can beat me. I'm the best player in this group chat. Use a crap. You couldn't lace me boots. Any 11 versus the 11 I get. Things like that. And I'd pick. So once we got the 22, I pick a team. Danny picks a team. I'm well better than every other player there. Yeah. So I've already got the advantage that I'm better than the other captain. Then I'm first pick. I just pick the best player. So the two best players, I'd win every week. But, but the reason I wanted to win every week was because I felt like if I ever lost, we'd lose the, um, like, there'd be no height. Everyone just wanted to go to beat me. Competitive. Yeah. yeah. But the main thing for me was, all of a sudden, instead of it being 25 versus 27, the, this list meant something. Do you know what I mean? And it got, it got to a point where I was now in charge of this group. Like, and I was adding people, was like 65 people in the group chat. And I used to go, at six o'clock on the dot, the first names are going to be playing in this like at six o'clock. I shit you not, bro. Bing, 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 bing. Everyone wants it in. So at six o'clock on the dot is when the line's open so you can confirm that you're playing in the next game. So at six o'clock, as like I just said to you, everyone would, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then it was up to me to look at the first 22 names. There's the first 22. Some people would have a Samsung and theirs was alien. <laughs> stupid stuff like that. But we ended up creating something called The Establishment. I don't know if you've ever seen underneath the logo of World of One City, it says The Establishment. And what that is, is it's a group chat. And I I now, instead of managing teams or whatever, which is so much more easy and better and fun, I rent pitches throughout the week. 
Monday to Friday. Two pitches on a Monday, two pitches on a Tuesday, two pitches on a Wednesday, two pitches on a Thursday, two pitches on a Friday. I've got a group chat. It's got 335 members in it, all from the area, all play football, all different ages, nations, whatever. I just meet them. Do you play footy, lad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then obviously there's word of mouth. Hey, can you add my mate to the group? So the group chat's got like, like I said, 300 and so many people. And then I basically let the group chat know. I've got a pitch on this day. Who wants to be part of this fixture? Can you play? Monday, Tuesday, and then they'll send me their form back with what days they can play, and I make matches. Yeah. And so, like I said to you, the group just starts to have like 300, 400 people in there. I don't know where. This is just staying, I'm staying consistent with this, and then obviously I'm doing little bits for Curtis on the side. Like, if he needs a player, I might be able to bring a player in for him. If he needs me to play, I'll play. If he needs you know, a kit or something. And I'll do little jobs for kids on the side in, in helping Pineapple keep afloat. Those conversations at them time from Curtis where he'd be like, listen, I might I might have to fault Pineapple. And I'd be like, I don't know, you know. There'd, there'd been times where I was like, you know what, mate, you might have to, kid, because it's, it's, it, you've got kids and the players aren't giving you the commitment. But then sometimes I'd be like, nah, we can keep this going kind of thing. And there was a real dark time for Pineapple where it might have not continued. But like I said, my main thing at this point was this establishment thing. Like I was falling in love with it. Everyone was buying into it. It was like the biggest thing going now. Now lockdown hit and I'm in my house in lockdown and I'm watching podcasts. Everyone watching podcasts in lockdown and it's Red Men TV pop up. And there's a lad on Red Men TV called Sam Walker, who's an old friend of mine. It's like, no, see, at the time, like you seen someone on YouTube on Red, you must be famous him. It's like, what's he doing on there? So I phoned a mutual friend and I was like, hey, what's the screw? What's the deal with Sam Walker? It's like, oh yeah, he's all right. Bit of a personality and he's opinionated guy, blah, 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 blah. Can you arrange a meet? Because I knew I wanted Sam Walker in the establishment, but also I knew Sam Walker's similar to me from when I remember back in the day. And, and I'm eventually going to tell him about this idea I've got for the World Cup. And then maybe he can bring it into fruition but first what I need to do is make him fall in love with the establishment so I've got him kind of thing sorry if you are you following so yeah, far yeah, yeah. so um, my mutual friend phones me back and he's like hey Sam's just phoned me and he said he's got a spare ticket for Liverpool v Chelsea when Liverpool are going to win the Liverpool are going to lift the cup and restrictions are just eased off and you were allowed to go to like we went to some place by Anfield like a pub and like the other tents and there was like 300 fans in there we watched Liverpool beat Chelsea 5-3 and then lifted yeah, yeah. I went there and that's where I met Sam again for the first time in 10 years ah yes Sam lad and he's still the same still enthusiastic like me and I explained to him about the establishment and didn't touch on the world in one city it felt like it would have been a, if I get him in the establishment then he sees how good that is so at the time Sam was running his own game as well and he was like hey, you come to my game and then I'll come to your game all right, sound. So I went to his game, and his game was like it was a shambles, similar to what our game used to be like. And that's when I realised, like, I've took this, like, yeah, ours is good. I've took casual footy on the Astro to a new level. Yeah, I invited Sam to mind the following week, and I picked the teams. I orchestrated it so Sam was playing up front with all the best players around him. They'll do all his. I just needed Sam to fall in love with the first game so that I've got him. Scored a trick in his first game. Swaved his footy off on a Monday and was a full-fledged establishment member. And since then, I've made him, like, he's, he's the second in... Like, if I'm not there, he runs the establishment. COVID again hit. So we're going in and out of COVID, yeah. weren't we? And Jericho Lane, which is where we play football, we're like, look, boys, 
obviously we can't give you the facility, blah, blah, blah. So we're on a pause now. And during that pause is when I phoned Sam and went, come to mind, got a plan. I told him to come to mind. He's like, look, I've got this idea, bro. What I want to do is, I've been working on it for years and years and years. But not, when I say to people, I've been working on it for years, I haven't been like, right, there's a world in one city. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, it weren't like that. The inspirations of like the international tournament and, so the international tournament that I played in, being from Yemen and going to Yemen with the Yemen team and then coming back and being part of the best Yemenis in Liverpool and playing the best Yemenis from Birmingham or the best Yemenis from Sheffield and then playing communities here. Like we played against um, Ghana, we played against Somalia, but they're not actual teams. It's just, they might not even be Ghanaian, but it's just a group of lads. There was tournaments that were held on Botanic Park by a guy named Sidi and Sidi used to like bring... Sidi's African fella who used to have like Ghana, Nigeria, Angola, and then he'd know Yemen. And he'd know it's similar to kind of what we do, but you couldn't hand on heart say that it was organized properly. It was more like a, just a fun thing yeah, get together. done in a day. And they were quite, and like, I loved that idea. And that's how it started. It was just, I phoned Sam, I phoned me good mate Nabil, who, who you're aware of. I was like, look, boys, I've got this idea. I was on board. Um, I, I had a meeting with Nabil and Sam and it was official then. I was like, look, boys, I'm looking to do this and I'm looking to do it in February. Do you want it or not? And they were like, okay, go ahead. Like more like a, just in case, it, in case, let's just be part of it, just in case kind of thing. So on the 3rd of December, I think that's when they believed that I was going for this because I then arranged a big meeting in this office, the 16 heads of, so I had Albania, South Africa, just all la- old nations where they were predominant in, in Liverpool. And then I found whoever, the who I considered was the main person from their country, who's got the most pull. And just... Yeah, made, you, could get, you could pull it together for, for their nation. Yeah. Put a projector on, put a little presentation on for them, showed them how I wanted it to be and blah, 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 and told them that I wanted this tournament to happen in February. We're in December. <laughs> Do you know, I, I'm thinking we're getting this done in February. So from that, lockdown hit again. And the tournament couldn't happen in February. So, but that was a blessing in disguise because for the for the way the tournament went, it would have been rushed. yeah, it would have been rushed. So we agreed to do it in June and we're just finalising teams kind of thing and getting the managers all in. And we've had a meeting with the managers on the 20th, on the, on, in the beginning of December, telling them that it's going to be in February. February is now locked down. And so it's just a case of during the lockdown period, just trying to get all the boys still enthusiastic about it. And it's definitely happening. And I knew that something was brewing because, you know, all the good players, you know, like when, you, when you've when you got a team and you want a player to play for you, it's hard. It's hard to convince a good player to play for you. All the good players wanted to play for their country. It, was, it wasn't like, you know, like give you an example, like, see, I touched on Boan before. Boan. Probably the top, the best player in our area for for a long period of time. Obviously, got signed to Accrington, was was on a was was like his reputation was only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And for him to to uh, to be able to put the idea to him and him to like be fully to say yeah, I'm playing and I'm playing. But not only say he's playing, like I know that that the, that the lads in the area look up to Bowen. So if he's playing for Nigeria and he's like putting himself on the covers and the media, doing all the media stuff, 
lad, how's the lad from yeah, Flip? So they go, they say, don't do art, this is going to be at a level, this, I want yeah, some of that. Yeah, and then they want to do, it, it, it's just, it, it, it was a weird one. A lad, the first bit of media I got them to do was sit in front of the flag, the worst media. My name is Bowen Dixon and I play for Nigeria. It was like so cringy now that we look at it and we see what we've done and we see what we've done this year. It's like, well, at the levels of a mad kind of thing. But that's why I, I, I respect Bowen so much because honestly, without him, and his um, backing of it, we wouldn't. I, I, I genuinely believe it wouldn't have attracted the players that yeah, we attracted. Do you know what I mean? And the competition. And he took the first one so seriously. He, he like, you know, like um, he had your typical World Cup. You know, like where there's a player who absolutely shines. He, he, he dragged his team through all the games. He scored in the quarters, semi-finals, finals. Like he, it was really like it made it feel real. Like this is what actually happens in the World Cup. We just seen it with Mbappe four years ago. I think Pele added a couple of years. I'm not comparing Bowen to them, but in our tournament, yeah, he was the poster boy. He was the poster boy for his nation and for the entire tournament and the crowd. Then it was a case of what I'm going to do is to make it feel real. I'm going to do a draw proper. I'm going to invite five people from each nation. They're all going to come to this room. I'm going to get four celebrities. So I got Howard Gale, um, Tasha jo- Tasha Jonas, yeah. um, they. Some referee that's famous referee and and I've done ill as like the community guy and they all picked and it was a proper the, the, the first draw was like whoa everyone was like can't believe we're fourth seed and I knew it was gonna work from the draw because like everyone bought into it and went everyone was talking in the draw before I came and and I went quiet please and it just went Sup. I was like oh wow like I've got these not 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 like I've got these like in an arrogant way like. They, yeah, this is serious. they believe in this. Do you know what I mean? We've done the draw. I introduced them to the VEO. The VEO was something we invested in um, that records the matches. Obviously, I think everyone knows what a VEO, but at the time it was new to everyone. Like, whoa, I pulled it up like it was like sacred. This will be recorded. Your matches, like, wow. Um, so, yeah, I had a meeting with what I was going to call my core team, the person who was in charge of the venue. Sam was obviously there, Nabil was obviously there. I got a kid who's ran a tournament before to just call me if he could pass any ideas. A lad who told me he could do the social media side of things. I just got as many clever people in the room as I could. We had a meeting there and so I kind of told all them the ideas. And from that, three of them were like, we want to work on this project. Four of them were like, oh, we haven't got the time to do it kind of thing. Fair enough. In that meeting, I'd invited a guy named Mark. Mark's from London, who... Uh, I think he, he's got with a, a lady from Liverpool who is in charge of the Greenhouse Project and they are in charge of the bookings of Tiber. So I brought Mark. Bear in mind, the tournament's starting in July. I haven't told Mark that we're having the tournament there yet. <laughs> I'm just winging it. I've told everyone else the tournament's happening and stuff. I just haven't got a pitch for it. Similar to like the whole Marshall situation. But I brought Mark to this interview, sold him the idea. And he was like, okay, well, I think we can put this together. So he gave it to us with short notice. I was like, phew. And then... Two days before the tournament started, he goes, hey man, just out of curiosity, how many people do you think you're going to be getting to this tournament? So I was like, I don't know, 40, 50? I don't know. And Bowen was playing on the Astro at the time. And I went, Bowen, how many people do you think are going to come to the first game? And Mark was in front of me and I'm going to Bowen, keep it low, keep it low, like that. So Bowen's gone, 200? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I can't see 200 people coming to watch Jamaica versus Congo. Like, it's not, it's not that intriguing, you know what I mean? I told the players that they had to do national anthems before they come out. It was the opening ceremony, the opening game, Congo v Jamaica. 
Congo a first generation, like first and second generation. They're still patriotic. Some of them don't even speak English. Jamaica are like some of the Jamaican lads are just white. Do you know like their granddad is Scouse. Yeah. Scousers. <laughs> yeah, well there's a lad called Connor Duffy who plays centre half for Admiral and Eggy Arms. White with red hair. His cousin plays left back for Jamaica, who's black. But you wouldn't you wouldn't know that they were cousins. He's called Connor Duffy, he's called Callum Duffy, I think it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, as I said to you, Callum Wilcock, actually, what am I talking about? But they're um, they're cousins and people come up to me and go, like, how's he playing for Jamaica? Like, but that's his cousin. Like, like so many people come up to me and go, How's he playing for Somalia? Yeah. And he's do you get me? But there's there's a way. I found a way out I, I made sure. But anyway, so the referee walks them out and they're about to do the national anthems. I, I I've got this jag microphone and a speaker in front of me. This is first ever game. I've got I've told me mate, one I'm gonna send you the text message when you're gonna set off the fireworks, lad. Yeah. So I'm going to make fireworks and he's gonna go. They wouldn't let me set them off in the ground, so I told him to go to the street. And as soon as the referee's about to blow his whistle to start the tournament, you're gonna set the fireworks off. Yeah. And I told him it was gonna be at this certain time. So anyway, first national anthem comes on and it's Jamaica. And Jamaica lad it's like Kane Drummond, Dylan Basalo, like they, they're not they're not patriotic about Jamaica so after they were just there like laughing and smigging at each other like that and I'm like oh it's embarrassing it's not going to work we might have to swerve that Congo Congo's national anthem come on bro as soon as the tune come on they all hugged each other and from the top of the lungs lad, just give it give it they a were kiss. giving it the beans but out of nowhere yeah we might set the fireworks off <laughs> but it went Amazing with the like, <laughs> he was meant to set it off like for the kickoff, but he set it off during them doing the national anthem. And it was just like boom. And then the next game was Sudan, first generation Poland, patriotic people anyway. They done their national anthem. It's like, wow, the national anthem thing is gonna work. So I know that that sounds like why you asked about the national anthem because, yeah, because taking it serious, yeah, taking it serious. I just done. I, I want to play for Yemen. I know I'm never going to play for Yemen, ever. Don't, I don't even know if they've got a footy team. This is... I need to... How can I make myself play for Yemen in the most serious... Journey? So, if I... I'd love to do a walkout. I'd love to sing the National Anthem. I'd love there to be a cameraman there when you're doing the National Anthem. Just try walk I think like the Champions League. Just like little... Little stuff like that. Done the first tournament. First tournament. First game. 300 people showed up. I don't know where they come from. I don't know how they heard about it. But it was just like, oh, shite, what are we going to do? Yeah, I told him 40 people and there's 300 people coming in. And this is only Congo versus Jamaica. Like, Yemen is still going to play. And I know loads of people are going to... Glad it all accumulated to... We got through all the tournament stages and that. Couple of, like, just teams, like, trying to make teams understand. Like, make sure if, if teams fight in this, it's not like... Like... Chunks in the brow of the little mishaps the other day. It's not the same as if yeah, you can't have communities. Yeah, have it's a, it's different in it, and I'm always cautious about that. There was in the first week in that. I don't know if I, I was always worried. Shit, this could go off here. This could go off, especially if it's like a black team and a white team. You just don't want yeah, you don't, want. don't want Poland and Sudan to kick off because it's just <laughs> not going to be good, lad. Anyway, Poland won two one after, and after their game, yeah, they done something amazing, bro. They came into the middle of the pitch and they brought the Sudanese with them and they all embraced each other. I was like, this is bigger than than what I 
anticipate like I just want to play for Yemen. Do you know what I mean? I didn't expect like there's a Polish guy drinking lager and there's a Somali lady come to watch. Like I'd never see that picture before. Yeah. Kids coming in Ghana face paint mask like wow, like, this real story. Bring in different communities together that, that wouldn't necessarily mix, would they? Yeah, and and loads of people always say to me now, lad, oh, well done, you smashed it, you brought the community. That wasn't me intention. I've just put a recipe together, and this is the result of it. Like yeah, humanity to hold. Yeah, my my intention was I want to score one goal for Yemen in a World Cup and make my dad happy, like my dad. He, he never used to come and watch me play footy unless it was like he had to never come and watch me play. That when Yemen have got a team, he's at every game, bro. But it's not because it's me, it's because that's his country. That's like that's the closest he's gonna get. Yeah, to, yeah. Do you get me? And then I feel proud that I can say to him, like, I play for you. I don't think to myself, Hey dad, I created this whole tournament. Look how amazing I think hey, I play for Yemen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I don't have the tournament no more. The tournament is everyone like it's it belongs is, to everyone. Yeah, man. it's I can't say now. I'm not doing the tournament this year. I can't. I what I wish I could. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like, ah, oh. but like if I thought about it, I don't think I don't think it would it would it would go down well. Um so in the first tournament when I absolutely realised that we've absolutely gone mad with this. The first knockout game was Yemen v Somalia. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the videos, mate. But Taba was, you know, Lodge Lane. Yeah, it was gridlocked. You couldn't get out. We won on penalties. We were, we we scored one with five minutes to go. So we're thinking, yeah, we're through. They scored an equaliser with the last kick of the game. You want to see the pitch invasion? I swear that the lad who scored one of his good mates as well. So. I was gutted, obviously, that we was doing, but I was so happy for him. Like, and he's not, you know, like, I know it's, I know it's amazing because, like, you laugh them, me too. They score a goal and they don't celebrate. You know, like, it's just a goal. Yeah, turns around, high fives. Like, when people score in this tournament, bro, they're like, you can see the ecstasy in yeah. their face. It's like, it's real. Anyway, we played Somalia and the game went to penalties. And I sh- shit, you're not, lad. You want to see, like, the amount of people that were there. And I, I keep referring everyone to be good mates, but that is what the tournament is. Like, I know every single player near it. Like, I reckon I know 90% of the people and not from a footballing back, like from just being friends from the community or the areas or just walks of life. This Chubby, known as Chubby's name, Saeed, but we call him Chubby. He missed a penalty after like nine penalties each. And it was heartbreaking for him. But that moment, that's the, that moment for me, and my mum's life is bigger than Istanbul. Like, for me, Pierce, like, yeah. I was on some man's shoulders with a Yemen flag, walking around Tiber, kids running everywhere. Like, I felt like a super... Like, it was crazy. We've just beat Somali. The Somalians were all devastated, but it was like a, like a respect between us. Lodge Lane was gridlocked. You couldn't get out. And I'm thinking, wow, world in one city is absolutely destroyed Lodge Lane here. Next, I never went to sleep that night, so... The adrenaline just kept yes. me going. Wasn't too much. Get a phone call off Mark, the guy who runs Tiber. Hey man, I need you to come in. Meeting nine thirty, please. And he goes, Hey man, we can't have the tournament here no more unless you reevaluate your risk assessment. Why, bro? He's like, we can't. Like, you've got people. Like, if someone falls, like, we can't. Ca- we haven't got the capacity for for two thousand people at a game. It's not like that. 
you're on half a pitch, there's people encroaching the pitch, there's people climbing buildings and stuff like that. So unless you do your risk assessment with me now and we reevaluate it, we're going to have to stop the tournament. I've still got one quarter final to go, two semi-finals and a final, four games left. And I know Yemen v Somalia is the biggest. We're not going to eclipse that. They're the two big communities. That's who everyone is there for kind of thing. And I tried to explain to him, look, mate, I'm not going to do a risk assessment with you now. I don't know what I'm signing up to. I'm not one of those who knows all these things. Like, that's why I've got Sam and Malika and Nabil and that with me. Like, they do all that. I'm just about football. So you're kind of backing me in a corner here and making me do something I don't really know. What Tiber didn't realise was, I remember I told Tiber, like, two weeks before the tournament, I won the tournament on Tiber. But in case Tiber said no, I had a backup plan, which was Jericho Lane. So every day... I'd phone Jericho Lane and be like, is your pitch available if I need it for a cancellation tonight? And they'd go, yes. It was in the summer. They never had. So Tiber thought that, well, Mark kind of thought that he was putting me in a corner and giving me an ultimatum that I couldn't, that I had to agree to. But they didn't know that I already had Jericho as an insurance policy. The only problem that I was worried about was we've built all this attraction and everyone comes to Tiber to watch. Am I going to get the same... Yeah, it's, it's time is in the middle of, of the shit. Yeah, you know it's I mean? the middle of logic, do you know what I mean? Am I going to get people going to Otterspool to watch this? Jamaica versus Kurdistan. About 1,500 people showing up to Jamaica versus Kurdistan. Like, what? These are travelling from logic. I know it's... I can't explain. It's not, it's not Somalia v Yemen. It's, it's like two smaller communities. You know, like, where do these people come from? We had the game. And then it ended up kind of... Where, it's like... If you got through to the semi-finals, you upgraded to Jericho Lane because there was more space. There was more like the changing rooms were better. Everything was just like so much better. It felt like, you know, like in the FA Cup, the way you have the semi-finals in a yeah, different the, location yeah, and then the next have, stage yeah, of the tournament. That's what it kind of felt like. So we had the semi-finals. We had one quarter-final day, which was Jamaica Kade, the stand Jamaica won three one. We had the two semi-finals there the following day, which was the following two days, which was Nigeria beat Jamaica and West Indies beat Yemen. And then in the final, Nigeria beat West Indies 2-1. Bowen got the win, and I think it was. No, Bowen scored a free kick in the game. Um, it was dubbed, like, in our community, in our area, we've got Bowen and Ralph, who were, like, the two, like, let's call them Ronaldo and Messi of our, of our, like, area kind of thing. And to pit them two up against each other in the final was, like, for me, who's, like, I love stuff like that. Yeah, it's worked out well. Yeah, like, everything that I wanted to happen has kind of happened, if you know what I mean. So that was the case. We've done the second tournament again. This time, we added quality. Like the, the demand for nations to want to play was crazy. In the first year, we had 12 new teams that wanted to participate. And we were just like, okay, what are we going to do here? We're going to have a first round of qualifiers. So we made the 12 teams play each other. Then the six teams that won played the six teams that finished third and fourth. in the. We found countries like Guinea-Bissau, South Korea, like Guinea Bissau are the best footballing team you can find in the tournament. You just but you just wouldn't think it. The way they play football, they're predominantly all brought up in Portugal. So they're from Guinea Bissau. But like like my dad, he's from Yemen, but he was brought up in England or yeah. he came to England when he was fourteen. All of them were born in Guinea Bissau. Predominantly went to Portugal when they were like 12, 11, 13. and then they've come to the UK when they're 24, 25. They've made a team here. Mate. The football they play on the small side pitches we have 
it's like it's made for them. They just we pl- Yemen played them this year in the semi-finals. I was part of this team that played. Mate, I've never chased shadows so much. I was just bought bo- bo- the, uh, the futsal culture. It in probably Portugal, it yeah. probably is, and the, what they do as well is, you know, when the tour- so they've been in the last two tournaments. They bring players from Portugal over here to play. So there's a lad called Marlon Costa. He won. He won. Um, he scored worldy goal in the second tournament. He came down from Portugal for the presentation just to get his award. <laughs> you come from Portugal for this little plaque I just spent at twelve pound. I fit well. Do you know what I mean? Just, I can't explain it, but Cong- the derby. You know when there's a derby, Congo versus Guinea-Bissau is a derby. Yemen, Somalia, derby. Ghana, Nigeria, derby. Um, I can't. West Indies, Jamaica, bro. England, Scotland. <laughs> well, we've got Ireland. There's an Irish team that are going to be part of it this year in the qualify. Ireland have tried to qualify the last two years, but I think what happens is a lot of their players go back to Ireland during the tournament. So when the qualifiers come on, they don't ever. They don't, yeah, they don't have enough. Yeah, enough, enough meat to I, get through. However, there's a there's a team there's a team that have heard about the tournament, and I think they didn't want there's they, they, a league in Liverpool. Like, look, we can represent Ireland this year. We'll be we'll be sound. There's eleven very good players. We've got more, so. This year you're going to see quite a lot of new nations. There's going to be so many more qualifiers this year. In the second tournament, we introduced stuff like the handshake stand. We introduced media to it where we just I got I, all my mates have got company. Any of my mates who have got companies or businesses, I just asked them for the logo, put it on a piece of canvas, stuck it on the wall, put a microphone in their face, asked them a few questions. Everything we touched, we scored with. Like There's things that you would go... Ah, they're not gonna do that. Like they're gonna think that's a bit childish. They done it. Did like yeah. they done interviews. They were collecting man of the match bottles at the end. Like they loved the idea of feeling like they're footballers for that moment. You it's could, the professionalism of it, isn't it, bro? I'll be honest with you. You cannot tell me that I don't play for Yemen. I, I genuinely believe that I'm Yemen striker. Like a hundred percent. If if I go to another country now, what do you do for a living? I'm a support worker at Activate, and I play up front for Yemen. Yeah. <laughs> that's my job, bro. <laughs> Unbelievable. So what, what's the hopes for the, the next year's tournament then? Because obviously this year's tournament seems to go to another level, didn't it? We're, we're at more of the social media stuff. You're at yeah, I think, people, I think obviously that Trent Alexander-Arnold, two things this year absolutely took it out to another level. we done our own advert. And yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, but you see that advert, bro, if I tell you the truth, it took us four days to make. And I that was the bit where I was like, What? These people actually believe in the world in one city. Like the people who are, like, I'm getting Bowan and Jesse to go to Coffee Lodge, sit down, pretend that they're eating food, and then run out of Coffee Lodge down Sefton Park. Yeah, I and use when you think it in the head, you think he'll just say fuck off. Yes, yeah, honestly, but then, but then, yeah. yeah. I, I showed that to me bird, and it's like she's got no interest in footy whatsoever. And you were like, that's bosta. Yeah, but it also like I got fat. I got the Zimbabwe manager to run. Out of his car, yeah, screech stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go in, tell your son that the World Cup's on. He's gonna spit his drink out, and they were all just doing, doing each scene. We done three scenes in one day, two scenes. Then the guy put it all together. Then he sent it to me, and then I'm like, okay. And then you don't know how it's gonna be perceived. You don't know if everyone's gonna go, oh, that's 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 cringy, that, or if it works, throw it out there, and then boom, boom, lad, my phone was going nuts, and I, I'm thinking in my head. Oh my god! I thought like people were gonna think this is a bit childish. I had the only team that didn't represent in the in the in the advert was Guinea Bissau. 
But that was because I didn't know how to say to hey boys, will you come and do a little scene for me? Like I didn't know them that well enough and think that they'd say yes. They started flipping on me in the group. <laughs> I can't believe we are not represented. We had a very good tournament. We do everything right for you, Imad, and you have not called us. Boys, I'll be honest with you, I thought you would have laughed at me if I asked you to come, but now I know. Watch what happens next advert. Um, so yeah, it's just, everything just seems good. Everything's positive, everything's on the up. Um, it's hard work at the time, bro, and, and, and I must tell you, like, once the tournament finishes, there's a bit of, like, there's a come down. Yeah, there's a relief. A relief there's a relief that the well. tournament's finished. And gone well. And gone well. Like, I can't wait for the final whistle to blow in the final because it's like, boom, another one done. And that's what I felt in the last two ones. But, you know, like, the month after the tournament, bro, and I, I, I don't know why. Yeah, because it consumes what you're doing. I can't it? explain to you. Like, I feel like I want to die. <laughs> Honestly, like, it's just so depressing. You've gone from being Seb Blatter <laughs> or <laughs> Infantino to like, oh, yeah, I'm back to my normal life now. Just picking up him from there, dropping him off there. But, like I said, the, the the footy through the, obviously, being involved with the pineapple now, off the back of the world in one city. So, so just to just to finish up on, with, 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 with where we're at now, the success of the world in one city and the players that we've attracted to come and play for their nations and the new nations that we've met and the new people that we've met, obviously working with pineapple, it, it gives us a, 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 a pick of the bunch kind of thing. Like, we're going to... This yeah, you uncovered gems that... Yeah, we've uncovered gems that we didn't know that we had. And I'm not saying that Pineapple's success is due to, you know, the World in One City's formation or or the, the, the coming of the World in One City, but everyone in that squad in the Pineapple, we all know at the end of the year, we've got that tournament. And each player in Pineapple, there might be two lads who play for one country, but Yemen's represented, Somali's represented, West Indies, Jamaica, England, Congo, all the players... There's at least one player who plays. So it, it does really feel like, you know, if you played for a Premier shift, you know, like Liverpool, if there was a World Cup at the end, Nunes is going with Uruguay, he's going with Colombia. He, do you know, like, they are all actually going to compete. In, and these all feel like that. Like, they all feel like we're going to compete for our country in this tournament at the end. And all through the year, you'll have banter about what happened in last year's tournament. For example, this year, Guinea-Bissau and Congo in the groups, they needed one point to go through when they were playing each other. So they played out a draw, nil-nil. Literally passed the balls back and forth to each other. Watch. But that knocked England out. Oh, heavy. <laughs> so you can imagine the uproar there. So just like... It happens in real time. Yeah, it does, it does. It but what can do? So we're just... We're, we're, we're quite excited. We're looking forward to um, what's to come. It's been like the support from play, like Neil Dan's. Nikita, Nikita Paris has been absolutely amazing for us. Like, whatever we need, footballs, appearances, sign something for us, come and do a little speech. Like she's so busy and she makes time for it, but she believes in it. She believes in the community. She believes in what we're doing. Yeah. Like I said, the players, unreal, that playing there. Can't complain, mate. I'm, I'm having the time in my life at the moment. I just need Yemen to win one. Listen, <laughs> yeah, so from, my, from my point of view, obviously... I'm a white lad from the north end of the city, mate. You know, I, I'm so proud of of what you've done for for the city because our city is like it's got to be a hub. It's got to be a, a multicultural place that welcomes everyone because that's what we're about. You know, and everybody should be able to be represented. Whether they whether they're doing that in Saturday league footy, Sunday league yeah. footy, 
whatever, or or they're expressing themselves through your tournaments that you've put on, whether you meant it to to be like that or not. What you've created there for for everybody to represent, you know, their heritage, yeah, is unbelievable, mate. So the opportunities as well that it's open for me, like we done. We're in communication now at the moment. Like we've been speaking with City of Liverpool about maybe a collaboration. We've done a Liverpool Academy going in touch with me and Sam the other day. We went and done a World in One City for the Academy kids. Yeah, it's like little things like that. Like I, sometimes I'm in these places and I'm like, I was doing a speech for the Liverpool Academy kids the other day and I'm like, am I real? Do these know that it's, this is just Imad? Like, I can't believe that these are asking me to come. I can't quite fathom yeah, it. So what makes that? Well, that's enthusiasm, work ethic, and Obviously, your belief in in what you can put together, mate, and that's absolutely unbelievable. Mm. Right, last before we go, we got to pick. We've got to build a perfect player. Oh, I've been waiting for this. Right, I've, I've I've played with quite a few, few and managed quite a few too. So it's yeah. gonna. I'm gonna be letting a few. You've got the pick of the world here as well, have not <laughs> Right, so we always start with left foot. Best left foot. Yes. Best left foot, without a shadow of a doubt, is a lad called Jay Brown. Yeah. Never seen anyone with a left foot like him. I, be, I, I, I put his name to people, and everyone's like, everyone's got this left-footed player who's got a wand of a left foot. But I'll be honest with you, Jay Brown, he played for me. He was a left-back, could, play a, could do various positions. He was just a talented footballer, a bit of a lazy player. but A maverick, we'll yeah, say. His left foot, mate, was, he could put it wherever you wanted, honestly. Best left foot in the city for me. Great show for Jay Brown. Right foot. Right foot, Ralph Welsh. Yeah, Ralph Welsh easily. I remember play when I was touching earlier about playing for McGinty's. That was the, the the period where I had with Ralph. I got the luxury of playing with him, and I promise you, he probably assisted every single goal I had because he could put the ball literally. I remember once he played the cross to me. That was so perfect. I missed it. I know that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you think what a ball? Yeah, it was so perfect. Classic touch. Could be him again, you know. <laughs> Could be. Um, it is who it is. Yeah. Touch. Um, it's quite a few good players with decent touch. Um, I'd say, say Ralph's touch again. Unbelievable. Skill. Skill. This one is a, a favourite one of mine. It's a personal one of mine. Kadeem Mackey. So, Kadeem Mackey during the 2012 13 season for me was absolutely just dancing through players. And I'm yet to see a player who's been able to jink through stuff in in the, in the way that he was capable of doing it. He had the pace to go, he controlled. There's a lot of players who are fast but don't know how to control their pace. Yeah, That's what he's good at, he can control his pace. He might he, he might overdo it sometimes, if I'm being honest. Like He would have done, took someone on and go back and take them on again, but he always came out the other end. Worth, shout, worth shouting Ali Ascari as well. He was another very, very skillful, tight, tight ball control. Played for Liverpool for, for, for a long time. Um, very good player, though. Right. Heading. Heading ability. Heading ability. Got to be JK, on it? James Kelly. Um, James Kelly, which is mad because he he's a forward and you'd probably put your best editor as your centre-half. Uh, there has been some good centre-halves who can edit a ball. I've recently met one in Tony Davis. He wins quite a lot of editors. He's retired. He's re- not so long retired, but he was he was quite good in the air. But I, I don't. I can't look at any further than James Kelly. He's got a foot for a net, Danny. So player speed. It was quick. JK Ooh. was quick back in the day. He was fast. Ah, fastest player. He's the quickest. Could be against you. You haven't, you haven't yeah. got it. You haven't got it. Um, yeah. Fastest player. I don't think he's a norm. 
Um, he's, 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 he's like a, he's unheard of. He plays for South Liverpool reserves. Okay. Um, might have moved up to the first team. He's just rapid. Absolutely lightning quick. His name's Yusuf. Yusuf Masson. Fastest, fastest guy on two feet, I know. Lightning, mate, yeah. Proper catch pigeons fast. Yeah, rapid. Bandy as well. Very, uh, very elastic-y. Yeah. Right, strength. Strongest player. Oof. Um, Strongest player. I, I wouldn't put it that. The person who I feel uses their body the best. Like, strength in that sense. Like, knows how to utilise the ball when they're in control of it. Doesn't get pushed off and might not necessarily bow on. Honestly, the way he is drive with the ball, you can't. When he's running with the ball and he's in that... In yeah. that full motion. Like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, he was in full motion. Exactly that. Yeah, it's some, some player in. Um, fittest, who's in the best, Nick? <laughs> Not good at this one. You when you come back from me. <laughs> yeah. um, fittest player. Yeah, I'm trying to go through all these these lads. Fittest player that we have, that I have ever... It's a difficult one, you know. Just, I, I often think it of as the person who can run just as hard in the 90th minute as the first... Yeah, like, like Jimmy Milner, James Milner. Yeah, yeah. Not some necessarily. I feel like I'm being biased because I'm saying all my mates, but honestly, I don't know if he's the fittest, but I know he won't ever stop running. He never stopped running for me for for the whole for the whole ninety minutes. That was Nabil. Yeah. Nabil just keeps going and going. He, he's got dodgy hamstrings, like so, <laughs> but but he keeps going there. Right, keepers. Who's the best keeper you've Michael seen? Jensen. Yeah, easy. Michael Jensen. Um, he was, he was. There's a, there's a few. Key, so so Craig Vernon, when I was a kid playing for Smith Down against Mosleyle, he was like, wow, is that is that is that the difference between a good keeper and an amazing keeper? Um, In the leagues, good goalies. Mate. Yeah, unbelievable. He made some mad saves. Craig Vernon was a good keeper. Um, I think as we got older, he, he kind of faded a bit. Michael Jensen consistently just been an amazing keeper, but it's definitely worth Ryan Jones won the national twice. Yeah. I just haven't I haven't been with him. He's he's the keeper now for the chunks. I haven't played with him or or managed him long enough to to be able to say you know you're the best one. But he probably is. He probably is pound for pound the best one out of all of them. Probably had the most successful career out of all of them. Yeah, he's, uh, he's had his episodes on here, a good few episodes back, yeah, oh, top okay. keeper. Uh, funniest, maddest, the madmen, the, the lunatics, the funny ones. <laughs> Lad, so many funny players, change rooms are just full of them, aren't they? Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to not, like, when you're asking me all of these questions, my head straight away yeah. goes to the pineapple changing rooms, because yeah, well, that's, what it, it that's, what where I, that's where I'm at now, if you know what I mean. Um, the pineapple changing rooms is a crazy changing room. You've just got it's 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 a mixture of it can be toxic at one point and then they all love each other at one point. But um, I'd say you've got Kane's a bit of a joker. If I'm being honest, he likes to crack a joke. Always, always like got something to say. Always bantering. Um, I think I've had the luxury of being in teams where everybody there hasn't been someone who's actually stood out and been like. The Joker, Did everyone just yeah, everyone looks in sign of a good team. Mm-hmm. Leadership, Philly Clark, easy. Yeah, then don't, don't even need to think about that. Philly was the player who, I think everyone. In, I don't know if I'm. I, I could be some of the lads who were from my year ago. Like, no, he wasn't too mad. But for me, he was the one I wanted to impress. So he was the he was he led by example. He was he was always on us, always making sure we were we doing the right thing. 
sometimes uncalled for criticism, but we 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 acted on it. If you know what I'm saying, he was a he was a leader beyond his years. Attitude, attitude. He was the person that you could rely on. Always there. Always had the best attitude. You had to move them position, or you had to. Yeah, you had to rely on them to get the best out of someone. Um, I'd say Danny Belema had the best attitude in the sense of if I told him jump, he'd say how high. Stuff like punctuality and stuff like that, he weren't the best at that. I can't give him his attitude to the game and stuff like that wasn't good. But in terms of for the team, it, yeah, I, need, yeah, I yeah. need you to do a job for me. He he would always come through. Dirtiest. Philly Clark, easy. Philly Clark, I swear down, he was, challenge, he was tackling like a man. I remember we played snack and he was sharpening his boots. I promise you, he was <laughs> sharpening his boots the day before because the lad broke his ankle the year before, sort of along those lines. Right, best goal you've seen, been involved in, or even scored yourself? Oof. Best goal I've scored. Um, I, I, playing for Marshalls once, um, Scored a hat trick, and it's the best hat trick you'll ever see. And there was only like five people that I know still that were there to 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 like vouch for it. One of them was a scorpion kick, and two of them were from the halfway line. I've never, I don't know how I got the power to get the ball. Must the wind must have just been working for me in both halves. Um, goals, goals, goals. Some fantastic goals, hasn't it? Um, I think, I think, I could say that 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 overhead kick that I touched on from Dawson against. Um, the oyster that was a fantastic. That was a, that was one that was like, whoa, that's got me on my seat. But over the years, mate, I've seen yeah, countless. Yeah, the, the world in one city. I don't know if that counts as the types yeah, of goals. Yeah, that goalie, that, that goalie's goal Delta against Delta. us. Yeah, or the Congo goal against England. Yeah. There's Gosh. been some belter goals. Right, final one, mate. Well, second to final one. Hardest away fixture. Where's the hardest place you've had to go? Home and bargain away. I hate it. I've yeah. only been involved in it twice. <laughs> Just one of them that doesn't seem to go your way. Like, they always, um, like I said to you, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about now is pineapple because that's where I'm at at the moment. Um, but they are, home bargains seem to be the bogey team away from home. I, I, I fancy us against them at our ground and I fancy us against them on a neutral ground, but there's just something about that pitch and all that that they, they must just know every nook, hook and crack on it, mate. Well, but, uh Shout out to the bargain lads because they've been going for some years now, haven't they? And yeah. the, and the, uh, the Mesh Foundation, what they set up, and okay. the mates, which yeah, yeah. Uh, which obviously is brilliant. They've sponsored they've uh, got a good, episodes they've, as well. They've they've got a good um, got a good centre forward there at the at the bargain. Declan Daniels, I think he's just yeah, top notch, yeah, yeah, he's good, good, good player. Yeah. There's a good that, one of the things that I found. I've only just so the last two years of the time that I've started taking the pineapple like post very seriously. And so th- I'm I'm only starting to come into like this whole Sunday league football and learning about like who and the, the lads who semi pro yeah. lads or the lads who were getting paid. Yeah, so on there's the a lad um, Josh Corliss ah Dove at Dove the moment. At City of the Pool, yeah, yeah, what a what a what a guy he is like on and off the pitch. Like you can see, he's a good character. If you know what I'm saying, he leads by example on the pitch. Yeah. Saving a band for City of Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. keep them studs down, Josh. Um, Never read that. <laughs> right. Final final one for you, mate. Knockout page. You've got to pick yourself a partner. Okay. Imad Ali FC, who are you going for? Imad Ali FC. Can I cheat? Do what you want, mate. Right. Sure, sure. What, I, what I'll do is I wanna name I wanna name the two best players. So the two best players 
that I had the privilege of playing with, them playing for me, is Ralph Welsh and Bowan Dixon. I think they, they set the standard high and and they've 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 been consistent throughout the years. There hasn't been like a blip. They've just maintained their level. Uh, there's been lads who have had like a good year, a good two years, and then they fall off, they put weight on, they get married, they have kids, they get on with the life. But these like Ralph's thirty seven years old, mate, and he's still carrying pineapple and we've got lads in the team that are young and fit and playing at a decent level of football. Um so I'd say them two would be my ideal dream dream partnership. But in terms of my football like it for me to go and have a game with sort of like my partner who I'd enjoyed the enjoy the um enjoy the occasion with would probably be um Jawad Jebrin, little yeah, JJ. JJ. Yeah, he's my apprentice. He's the he's the he, not my apprentice, but he's the he's the one I'm pinning up all my ups on for the Yemen, um, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's quality, mate. He his, uh, his, his appetite for the games unreal. Drops his shoulder nice as well, doesn't he? Yeah, loves it. So Bosch mates, what what an episode that show that'll give um some Christmas listening to people to, to listen to in between Crimbo and New Year. Or I, hope I, I hope I haven't waffled. <laughs> hey, this is what the show's all about, waffling. Get, get as much info out as we can. Uh, just want to say as well, obviously, thanks to you for um, reaching out to me. I, I'm still finding it when people phone me to do stuff. I'm like, why, why me kind of thing? But with the podcast, and, and I've always wanted to get this. I want to I get the story out there. I want people to know how the world and once it came about. I want people to know about me kind of thing. And you reaching out to me and giving me that opportunity on this platform, I can, I can only thank you enough. Um, and hopefully, like, me aim now, like, the world in one city, I understand, is, is massive in the south end of Liverpool. Um, and only now am I starting to reach out to the north end. I think, obviously, with the Trent Alexander-Arnold advert and, and, and stuff, and me being at the trunks, and, and I'm not scared to approach a player and say, hey, mate, will you play in the world in one city next year? We're getting there, but stuff like this podcast and the platform that this gives us, it's... It, 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 it's it's amazing so thanks to you bro not not a problem mate we'll be down to support it next year it's not, not gonna, you're gonna play no needs a fuck <laughs> absolutely goose but I'll be there I'll be there cheering on every nation mate because obviously that's what it's all about thanks very much thank you cheers in that time mate boys what are you doing? The world in one city starting. I show you both. What are you? Go down a couple.
station played by every kind of radio station blessing every mind of. We cross the boundaries like every day. New Robin, Bobby, Bobby, being the on the bay. We got, we got tab magnification, tab magnified like every day. Yes, oh. yes, y'all. You know we never stop, we never rest, y'all. The black of music keep the funky fresh, y'all. And we won't stop until we get y'all, till we get y'all. Say it. Daily operation, gotta put in work in this crazy occupation. Gotta keep it moving. That's the motivation. Gotta ride the waves and keep a tight relation with my team. Keep it moving and doing it right. I've been allowed every day till daylight. That's the way things move in this boys, man. What are you all running for? <laughs> the windies are here. Last year. Surgeon, yo, play your piece. 